When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash past 10 on a Thursday morning. This is Summer Days on SENZ with Stephen McIver around the country and on the SENZ app. You know the number to call if there's anything t- tickling your fancy or you want to offload, unload on us. 0800 150811. That's 0800 150811. Yes, good morning world. We have a, a bit of a motorsport field today. Inside the next couple of minutes we'll be talking to another talented Kiwi who owns the Women's Motocross World title three times. Back to back to back world champion Courtney Duncan. Fontanese wasn't going to let that one go. She tried to lean on Duncan. Duncan wasn't having any of it either. The momentum pushed her into that outside anyway. She got good drive here. She was fully committed at that point. Got the distance there. Was on the inside. Fontanese said no. Two into one did not go. Both could have gone down. But Fontanese is the one that left picking up the pieces. The second part of the race. Duncan found her flow. Closed in on Van der Ven. And it was a two-way battle for second. Larissa Papmeyer won the race. Van der Ven came home second. Courtney Duncan crossed the line third. But it was enough for a third straight title for the Kiwi girl. Then it's across the Tasman. We will go around 10.30 this morning to talk to A-League CEO Danny Townsend about how they got their Silver Lake deal across the line while the All Blacks one has been stuck in second gear. At 11 this morning, we chat to potentially our next F1 driver in Liam Lawson. He's just returned from another F2 campaign. But more importantly, the Formula One young driver's test in Abu Dhabi where he got to drive an Alpha Tori F1 and says he was excited. Well, what to say he's excited is probably an understatement of the year.
It is time for a brand new season of FIA Formula 2. Lights out and we are underway with a poor reaction time for the pole sitter and a brilliant reaction time for Liam Lawson who goes from third to first and he will lead into turn number one as Borchette tries to respond for sure is laid on the brakes next to Piastri. Your race leader is Liam Lawson. What a start it was though from Liam Lawson charging through the front row of the grid and they're still battling as we head down to turn eight. Piastri's lost a couple of places. You've got Tinktum in there fighting away, heading through the middle sector now and look at the gap now. Lawson is pulling out as they head down to turn number 10. And that is the last obvious overtaking opportunity. It's been, it's gone, and Liam Lawson under huge pressure. It's not the only one because Oscar Piastri did everything to get close to Robert Schwartzman, but Schwartzman also stays ahead. Brilliant defensive driving here today. Liam Lawson will see the checkered flag first and he wins on debut in Formula 2 with a superb drive. The Black Caps squad has been named for the Bangladeshi Tour, and guess what? No record breaker in Ajaz Patel. We'll get reaction to that before 2 o'clock this afternoon. Plus, today, our feature, How Good Was the Year interview, comes from Blackfern 7s player Michaela Bly, talking about their golden year and their leader, Sarah Hirony. Off to go on her own, and she found herself in a lot of space. Sarah Hirony giving chase Beth France. She gets it up to Michaela Bly, and she'll score first for New Zealand. Kelly Brazier bangs it into touch and a nation that has scaled every other peak in rugby now has the one prize that was missing, an Olympic gold, black gold in Tokyo, New Zealand, Olympic champions. So that is one heck of a Thursday for you live here on SNZ Summer Day. So let's get on with it, shall we? To win one world championship in any sport is hard enough, but to win three? But win those three in a row is simply off the charts. But that's exactly what Women's World Motocross Champion Courtney Duncan has done. And right now she's sitting in MIQ, having finally secured a spot in Hank Green to see her family for Christmas. Today was supposed to be release day. But Omicron case in the hotel means Courtney's now going to miss Christmas Day by the slimmest of margins. How are you feeling, Courtney? Hey, mate. How's it going? Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I'm not too bad, eh? I'm not too bad. I think I'm just uh, grateful to be home back in Kiwi land, even if it is uh, a few days later than expected to see the family. How hard was it to finally get that spot off uh, Sport New Zealand? Were we, I saw you doing a bit of a ticket tour around Europe and spending time in Italy. Was it more about just filling time but really wanting to come home? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, as soon as I won the championship, I think, my mind switched to wanting to come home. You block it out for the year as you've got a job to do, and once that job's done, you kind of want to pack your gear up and get on the plane and get home. But like you say, unfortunately, that wasn't um, an opportunity for me right at the start. So uh, I did some tricky touring and looking around. And uh, No, I did have a good time, though, still. Well, you deserved it after another stunning season. When you're, when you're an athlete overseas and in the world mm-hmm. that we live in now, how strong is the draw of home? Yeah, no, it, it is tough. It is tough, and I think because the current circumstances overseas, you do have to kind of lock yourself up at times and isolate yourself just because you can't really attract the COVID situation, otherwise you're out of competition. So um, there's times that you miss home, but honestly, just 
that opportunity to be a world champion and putting in the work day to day kind of kept my mind off it most of the time. You know, I was thinking about this. You look back on the three titles, right? You went back to back to back, 19, 20 and 21. If the cards had fallen your way, we actually could have been talking six worlds because there was the rogue photographer. <laughs> oh, yeah, think about it, right? The rogue photographer on the track in 2016, a bad call by the officials in 2017. Then you got your foot injury in 2018. Yeah. So you had to wait all these years to finally say, actually, I'm better than a lot of you as it is. How did that three <laughs> years of frustration build your resistance and your resilience? I honestly, I think it shaped me to to who I am today as a person and an athlete. And like you say, potentially it could have been six. But I think if I had it come straight through as a, you know, rookie and one straight off the bat, I wouldn't have had the same life lessons and experience behind me that's been able to kind of bring me to these last three. So, um, no, I, I think even with everything that comes with winning, I think, I would have taken the lessons I've learned in those three years and definitely, you know, been a huge help with these last couple. You see, in in your game, talent is everything, but also mental toughness is, is the other big player. What did you have mm-hmm. to teach yourself about being tough mentally after those initial three years? Just, yeah, you're right. It's, it's huge in our sport and in international sport, it's, I think it's like 70, 80%, honestly. You're all talented, you all work hard. It's, it's who's mentally strong and can kind of bridge that gap. And, um, yeah, no, I, I did have that right from the beginning as a kid. And um, I had a lot of confidence. And I think those three years where I failed, I, that knocked it from me. And um, the most important thing was just being kind of true to yourself and not listening to so much outside thought because... It was times where I got wrote off and, you know, a kid that had the speed but was never going to, you know, pull together a championship. So um, from that side of things, sorry, that was just a fun. Um, <laughs> I just had to remember, you know, why I'm here and that I was tough enough to make it no matter what anyone else thought. But, Courtney, do you have mental exercises you do on a weekly basis? They could be ringing to say you can get out. Do you want to answer, do you want to answer that call quickly? <laughs> no, it's okay. They're not calling. <laughs> Just them off the hook. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, Don't tell them. <laughs> so, so do you have mental exercises you go through on a, a weekly basis to – to give yourself the edge? Yes and no. I think uh, I, I do do a lot of study around that. I, I do look into it. I do kind of try to align myself with other athletes that are mentally strong and being able to break through and see what they're doing and apply that to my own work. And um, honestly, it is, it's all on yourself, though, if, if you can make that happen. And um, it can be selfish and, and caught as you know an arrogant aspect at times but I try to just keep it that sort of attitude when I put the helmet on and be my normal self um, when it's off. So the, the, the fun thing about being world champion you get a golden helmet don't you? Yes yes I got a couple of them now so um, no, should, that, that's cool. Well you should have three right? Not a couple. You should have yeah, three. Yeah, yeah, sorry. i got three of them now. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, you're a three-time champion. You're a three-time champion, not a two-time champion. Have you got Have you got, Have you you got? got it in your kit bag at the moment? Yeah, I do. I do, yeah. I made sure that was first packed to come home. I mean, 
come home with no clothes, but I come home with my helmets and my medals <laughs> and stuff. So uh, paying price for it now when there's no washing, though. I'm uh, running low on the clothes. Well, just oh my gosh, who's who's your who's your kid sponsor? Get them to throw some stuff at you. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. Hey, um, I, I read this morning you're out of contract with your current team. Uh, where are we at with that? Yeah, that's still um, in the pipeline and stuff. Obviously, I can't go into much details. Nothing's been um, finalised or come through. But uh, let's hope uh, I have something in the new year. I would say. To be able to announce, so um, yeah, we can hang tight till then. <laughs> so that was the biggest palm off you've given me in a long, in a long, long time. Can- <laughs> <laughs> I can't say too much. That's the thing; I'll get in trouble. So, oh no, that's um, okay. That's okay, mate. But uh, are we expecting you to stay where you are? I'd like to think so. I'd yeah. like to think so. Obviously, for for me, it's it's not just the team; it's it's all my friends I align myself with. I think. You can even look to, to Monster. They've been around a long time. Um, and some other partners of mine that we like to build long-term relationships if we have, you know, that loyalty. And um, especially if you have the same vision, I think, and, and the same mindset to be successful and you both get along well, then there's no reason to change. Do you see yourself now becoming a role model for young women? Because I, I like I like to think maybe role model is is, is a hell of a responsibility, and I, I like the word hero because kids look up as as individuals as heroes. How would you like to consider yourself now that you have done what you have done and will continue to do? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I'd like to be able to see you know myself as as a role model and a leader for you know young girls or just young athletes in general or young kids in general, whether they're athletes or not, to kind of follow with the, the same positive attitude and mindset towards whatever they want to do. And, um, yeah, hopefully I can lead by example. You know, when you, when you went into the final round, you didn't actually have to win that, that last race. You just had to place nicely. Is that a maturing of you as a racer, knowing just get, do it by the numbers, don't try and be the, you know, the rock star all the time? Yes, yes, 100%. And obviously that's one of the things that I've been able to learn through Ultimately, actually, the mistakes made in the first few years, you know, I didn't need to win them all, and I didn't need to win from the first lap, put it that way. So, um, obviously, if the win's there, you take it. I mean, if I could go on and win 12 races out of 12 for the year, I'd be, I want to take that. But if they're not quite there, they're not quite yet there. The end, of the, go- the end of the year, you know, the goal is to be world champion. So, um, yeah, maturity's definitely helped in the last couple of years. How much tougher was this win as opposed to the first two? Uh, they were all different. They were just all different. The first year, the year itself was, I don't want to say easy because it's never easy, but it just felt like everything kind of fell into place for me and went my way. Um, to get there, obviously, another story, but the year itself in 2019 was smooth. And um, 2020 and 2021 had their own hurdles, I would say, their own challenges along the way. Um, 2020, I had that massive crash and resulted in a DNF, which left me clawing back points. And then obviously this year I had a pretty um, difficult round in the sand. I lost a lot of points there. And then obviously I had quite a big crash in Spain. Um, but all in all, it was a relatively good year. And I think actually this year out of all my years, I've been able to demonstrate more of a, a championship, a champion approach and mindset 
just be able to kind of control the situations better. It's such an unkiwi thing to do, isn't it? Go and knowing you're the champion and behave like a champion because we all like to be humble. But just quietly, you're going in, you're going in with the swagger, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. No, I mean, I think that was part of my mindset in the last race. Like, I, I finished third, got the championship, and then I went to the line and I got to run the gold helmet and the gold plate, and I wanted to go out there and put it, you know, out front where it was meant to be. And, um, we always like to win, don't we? Can I just say, can I just compliment you, by the way? Uh, we saw the vision of the awards. I have never seen you in a dress. I've only ever interviewed you in a race suit. And might I say, very nice, my dear, very nice. So is it is it nice to just be normal and just not wear race suits all the time? <laughs> I appreciate that. No, uh, probably a lot of people haven't saw me in dress. There's not uh, too many days I, I get dressed up like that, I must say. But to be fair, I kind of enjoy it. I enjoy to, um, yeah, glamour up here and there. So, uh, no, and, and in Monaco, Monaco of all places, right? Oh, what was that like? What's Mo- I've never been. So what's Monaco like, man? Yeah, it's cool. It, it's really cool. It's a place that you definitely want to um, go past. Probably not much for me to do in the shops here. Everything's like, yeah, pretty pricey. But despite that, the awards and like the evening and was really special. And um, no, definitely a experience of a lifetime, shall I say. Did you rub shoulders with any heroes at the awards? Yeah, there was. Cause obviously, we had quite a lot of the disciplines. So Fabio, the um, MotoGP champion, was there. That was quite cool to see him. Um, Really cool guy, actually. And, uh, yeah, just like uh, World Superbike champion Jonathan Ray, obviously I know Johnny through Kawasaki and stuff. So it was cool to kind of catch up with some mates in different disciplines that you don't get to see throughout the year. And, um, yeah, no, it was a good good evening for sure. Courtney, it's not a bad life for all the hard work, right? Yeah, yeah, no, 100%. I was sitting here and got the news in MIQ and, and it got pushed back, obviously, after Christmas. But like you say, I think this year has just been amazing for me to win another world championship, travel the world, um, do some amazing things. Like like you say, life is not bad, so there's nothing to complain about. No, you're right. Well, I can only wish you a happy Christmas. I hope Mum and Dad maybe sneak you in a, a better a better Christmas dinner than MIQ. Who knows what happens then? But uh, Murph and I follow you, of course, every week on Sky Speed. We love you, mate. Uh, you you make us proud. You make this this country proud with your attitude and the way you do things. So thanks for being you. Thanks for being a good sport as always and taking the Mickey because that's always a bit of fun too. You can have my job when I'm done because I know you want it. Uh, you, you've, you've you've been quite open about that. You want my job? That's fine. I'm, I'm cool with that but uh hey happy christmas and uh, i'm just really looking forward to you get out and go and being with your your family and dunners mate awesome i appreciate the support from you guys as well and uh it's always good to catch up so anytime mate all right there you go happy christmas mate thank you courtney duncan is i gotta say she's about two foot six She's really tiny, and she's throwing these big bikes around. And when you look at the tracks they have to race on, you you look at the fields of about 30 riders, and she is a three-time, 
three-time world champion, back to back to back. That is no mean feat. And you know they say about champions, they're always good people. Courtney Duncan is a good human being. If you've got some thoughts on that, if you're from Dunedin and want to say something about Courtney, give me a call, 0800 150811. That's 0800 150811. Still to come before 11 o'clock, we're going to talk to Danny Townsend, the A-League CEO, about their their private equity deal, which has seen them uh, – well, not give away – lose, get paid for 33.3% of the A-League here on Summer Days on SENZ. Twenty-six. This is Summer Days on SNZ. we got to have a little bit of Boney M around Christmas, but not the ones you expect. He was big and bold. I just like that. I just like that a lot. 0800 150 That's 0800 150 If you want to make a comment on our Courtney Duncan interview, our three-time world women's motocross champion, Maggie texted in and said, uh, hey, what an unsung heroine. Thanks. You know what, Maggie? Why don't you give me a call and have a chat about Courtney and what she means to you as a as a young woman and as maybe as a as a um, as she says a role model because you could be in for the night and day call of the week all right because they've got it when you want it night and day and tomorrow we give away the fifty dollar night and day voucher remember they've got two dollar pies every Tuesday in December at your local night and day so Maggie rather than text pick up the phone call me have a chat about it. show these blokes that seem to like sitting on their bums texting how it's done and we can have a bit of a yarn about our very talented Courtney Duncan just a quick reminder too uh, we are going to talk today about the black cap squad not in depth because you know I don't go too deep with cricket but we are trying to get on the head selector, working on the head selector, Gavin Larson, because the big talking point this morning, the, the headline, the clickbait has been no Ajaz Patel. Uh, Gary Stead, the Black Caps coach, has come out and quite rightly said it is they are taking a horses for courses approach. So they don't believe the wickets that they're playing the Bangladeshi team in will need as much, will require much spin. So there you go. If you've got an opinion on that, then pick up the phone and call me and, and, and unload. If you want to unload on Gary Stead about his decision, then fire up 0800 150 if you want to fire up on the golf course, well, why don't you take the longest day golf challenge? It's a golfing endurance event that really does test your skill and stamina. Some of us had no skill and no stamina, but it is a challenge. All you've got to do is successfully complete four rounds of golf. That's 72 holes, right? But you've got to do it in one day to raise funds for the Cancer Society. Now, yesterday was actually the longest day, but you can do it any day through December or January, all righty? And if you want to play by yourself, that's great. But you can play any day in December and January that suits you. You register at longestday.org.nz. That's longestday.org.nz. Still to come, not too far away, just after our news update, we talked to A-League CEO Danny Townsend. Just after 11, our next, hopefully, F1 pilot and Liam Lawson. So there's a lot to come on Summer Days this Thursday, December 23. You got the way 
10.32 on summer days here on SNZ Nation right around New Zealand on your local frequency or listen anywhere, anytime, anyhow on the SNZ app. If you're listening in Australia, you're probably listening on the SEN app or maybe the SNZ app, but uh, good morning to you. It's uh, early this month, the Australian Professional Leagues reached an agreement with private equity firm Silver Lake, you'll know that name, which purchased a 33.3% share of the group for an estimated, this is the, the roundabout number, uh, around $130 million. It's the largest single injection of capital into Australian football in its professional history. And in addition to other major financial partnerships with uh, Television Network 10, Paramount Plus, Asusa Ute, Liberty, Priceline, McDonald's, the A-League are arguably their best financial position of their existence, which uh, makes Danny Townsend, their CEO, a very happy man. Good morning to you, sir. Good morning. Thanks for having me on the show. So uh, when, I, when I read out those numbers and all those uh, sponsors, you are a happy man. Yeah, look, I think, yeah, we're, uh, content is probably a better word. We've got a lot of work to do. Um, you know, money money is helpful and it's important in order for us to, to you know, kickstart and reimagine um, football both in Australia and New Zealand. But importantly, it's what you do with it that will define how successful we will be. So as much as, yes, I'm happy it's, it's there, but it's, it's now the, the hard work starts in deploying that capital to ensure we get the results we need. Danny, was it a must-do situation to go private equity to to keep the league viable? I, I think not necessarily. We could have kept going on the way we were going, but I think we all realised that our game has such huge potential, um, and it has had for a long time. Other codes, both here and I'm sure in New Zealand, um, would, would refer to it as a bit of a sleeping giant because we haven't been able to connect you know, our enormous strengths at the participation level and the fan level into being connected to the domestic competition. And I think that that opportunity, um, the ability to unlock that, that potential takes investment. And we've all seen fantastic ideas fail due to being undercapitalised and we didn't want to see football sort of just roll along without the opportunity to, to take on the others. And, and to do that, you need you need adequate funds. So that was really the reason we, we took it um, to the markets and, and we were... You know, really excited to see the interest in it and, and the belief in, in our, our strategy and Silver Lake are a sophisticated global investor and, and for them to be able to identify Australian and New Zealand footballers, um, you know, an opportunity to invest in, I think that really gave us a huge amount of confidence. Before we talk about where that money you see being spent over time, before going into this deal, did you get the sign-off from the Professional Players Association say, this is a good thing for the game? Are they buying into it? 100%. You know, we've got a fantastic relationship with the PFA. They understand that the ability for the players to earn is uh, intrinsically tied to the football economy and the ability for us to deliver um, you know, a connection between football fans and our professional sport enables them to get paid. And the more successful we are as APL, the better the football ecosystem that they're a part of and, and the flow on back to them in terms of wages is, is clear and our CBA is structured that way. So, yeah, they've been with us every step of the way. They've been involved and, and um, they've been a great partner for us. Danny, there's been some criticism of the A-League that you don't really have marquee players anymore. You know, when it first started out, there were, there were ex-EPL players, the whole nine yards coming across to play and it really was an attraction to put eyeballs on the game. That doesn't seem to be there now. Will some of this money be used for marquee player buys? Yeah, possibly. I wouldn't say probably, though, because I think, you know, you've got to look at a a strategy that's going to deliver sustainable long-term success. You know, you've seen, you know, the likes of Del Piero at Sydney FC, you know, you've seen others come into the league, David Villa, 
Um, and, and we'll continue to see those. You've got Daniel Sturridge this year, who's, who's won multiple Champions Leagues and played for some of the biggest clubs in the world. So we're going to have um, marquee talent come in and out of our, our game. But that's that's a sugar hit, and it's an important one, and it's one that I'm sure we're, we're going to take advantage of. But it's building you know, a sustainable connection with football fans who, if you look at our strategy, it's, it's about tapping into the football fans that currently don't support the A-League. So we've got you know, survey data records that tell us there's 7 million football fans across Australia and New Zealand, yet only 2.5 million of those identify as fans of the A-League. So how do we go and get that 4.5 million who already love football to love our football? And that that's about adjacency, that's about a digital connection, which is all core to our strategy of, of connecting and uniting football. So how do you see that connection working? Because, you know, it is a buzz right nowadays. You talk about digital strategy, the whole nine year, the whole nine yards, but how do you see your strategy playing out to tap into those four, four, four million extra that you want to be putting eyeballs on the A-League? Yeah, look, I think you, you'll see, uh, you've had the chance to look at Keep Up, which is our, our new digital platform that we launched prior to the start of this, this current season. You know, we deliberately went after creating Australia and New Zealand's home of football, not the home of football in Australia and New Zealand, because the difference is is that one of them would be, would be a platform for our domestic competitions. The, the one that we've launched is one that is covering all of football. So there'll be obviously a, a strong skew to, to A-League content and, and information, but it's adjacent to the Premier League, the Bundesliga, the Serie A, the La Liga, because that's where those other fans uh, are congregating. So if we had, traditionally, our sport had sort of seg- segregated itself from the rest, saying, you know, we're not the Premier League, we're not La Liga, we're, we're the domestic competition in Australia and New Zealand. But, but in reality, that was doing us a disservice. What we need to do is have some adjacency whereby, you know, a Liverpool fan who lives, you know, in Perth is, is seeing Daniel Sturridge score goals for Perth Glory in the same feed that they're seeing, you know, um, uh, Mohamed Salah scoring mm. goals for Liverpool and seeing that that quality is there. That it is, yes, it might not be as technical or as fast as the Premier League, but it's uncompromising. You know, the players are fit, they're scoring great goals, they're young. And that might start to, to get that fan more interested in the Perth Glory. And then the next phase would be he goes to a game or she goes to a game and enjoys the atmosphere and then suddenly becomes a member and then you've got a season mm. ticket holder. And I think yeah. that's the journey of connection that we need to make and that's what we're focused on at the moment. You are listening to Danny Townsend, the CEO of the uh, A-League, which is run by the Australian Professional League. It's completely separate now from the FFA. The other important part of this equation is the Women's A-League and the growth of women's football. Will a chunk of this money be directed that way? Because as you and I both know, women's pop football popularity is enormous. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we, we see that as an enormous part of our strategy. When you look at you know, what we've got in front of us as, as two countries with you know, our, our co-hosting of the Women's World Cup in 2023, you know, that's 30 days out of 30 years that, that we need to take advantage of. But it won't, it, what, those 30 days won't define how successful we are collectively in growing the women's game. It's going to be what we do between now and then and what we do in the years after that. So, and, and like I said at the start... That all takes investment. You know, you've seen already with the inclusion of the Wellington Phoenix in, in the um, Liberty Financial League women, that's an important step. And next year we're bringing in two more teams and then we'll look to expand the number of games they play. And you know, we, we've done a landmark CBA that drives towards equality facilities. So you know, these, are, these are all bricks in the wall that we need to put in place to ensure that when that, the eyes of the world are on Australia and New Zealand, in 2023 that you know all of the young aspiring female athletes in our two countries want to play 
for the national team, want to play football over other sports, and I think we can definitely do that. Danny, you would be aware on this side of the Tasman, the New Zealand rugby have been trying to strike a deal with the people that you have struck a deal with, Silver Lake, but there has been real pushback from the Rugby Players Association. They're, they're concerned about you know losing control of the commercial arm of their game. What would you say to the Rugby Players Association about the Silver Lake deal and dealing with them and, and what they foresee in pushing your game forward? Yeah, look, I don't know the, the internal machinations of, of New Zealand Rugby, the Players Association and, and the Silver Lake deal, but what I can say is that you know, in order for sports to stay relevant, you've got to be well capitalised and you've got to be bold. You've got to take risks. And, you know, and those risks have obviously got to be calculated risks. And the way we look at it is that having expertise is really important and and i think when you look at our our process we had plenty of local private equity companies wanting to invest the reason we went with silver lake is because their portfolio companies have enormous uh, knowledge transfer for us to tap into you think of the likes of ufc you think of what they've done with even direct consumer businesses like peloton you know these businesses are uh, have got strategies and have, have been successful in delivering on, on an area that we're really leaning in on. We want to build direct-to-consumer muscle for football. We're investing in it heavily with our digital and data infrastructure. Those companies that Silver Lake have invested in have, and been really key in, in helping them reach their potential is knowledge that, that has a huge amount of value parking the, the financial investment they're making. Forward. So I think you know, we've, you know, we've, we've got all the checks and balances in place to ensure that we retain control. You know, I, I don't really like the word control, but ultimately that's what people are scared about losing. And as long as you build a sensible um, governance structure around that investment, uh, I think it's it's the future. And um, you know, we've been really excited by partnership with Silver Lake so far. Yeah, you make a really good point because I was going to say, how brave do you have to be to allay fears that if Silver Lake are tired of it, they sell it to someone out, they sell that share to someone else, and then you're maybe in partnership with someone you don't want to be in partnership with. Yeah, and look, you, you can solve for that in the structure of your deal and having approvals on, on transfer of, of, of units and all those type of things. So there's, there's absolutely ways to solve for that. I think, I think what you, you've got to go back to is, is that ultimately what sports are these days, we, we, we have an economy around our sport that are football fans. And, and the job for us is to, to connect those football fans and commercialise them. It, the minute you lose control of that, that is, that is when your game is in the wrong hands. And, and, you know, you can do that in many ways. You can sell those fans off to broadcasters and lose control of your game. You can sell that off to sponsors and lose control of your game. So, you know, private equity investment really is not a lot different to the relationships you have with other commercial enterprises that interface with your sport. So as long as you, as long as you structure them the right way, then, you know, you'd be, I think, in my opinion, it's crazy not to consider that, that path. Danny, I really appreciate you giving us an inside thought into how the Silver Lake deal has worked out for you and, and looking forward to the future. I wish you a Merry Christmas and hope that uh, COVID keeps the keeps away and you can keep the, the league rolling along. Yeah, absolutely. Look, and call out to the Wellington Phoenix. You know, they've for, for now two going on three seasons. They've, they've um, been in Sydney and away from family and friends and um, they've done an amazing job to keep our competition going. So, yeah, hopefully it's not for too much longer and we can get on top of this Omicron situation and and get that, that, that club back to, to Wellington and to their family and friends sooner rather than later. So, Dan- yeah, thanks for having me on. Yeah, Dan- Danny, thanks for your time. Happy Christmas. Thank you. Bye-bye. 10.43, this is the Summer Days on SENZ. That was Danny Townsend, the CEO of the A-League. Interesting thoughts about the Silver Lake deal. What do you think? 0800 150811, because shortly we'll figure out what's been making news. 
Ladies and gentlemen, I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. What's making news around the world? 1049, my other great my other great quote from Anchorman. I'm in a glass box full of emotion. Yeah, that's relatable. <laughs> what does he say? Milk? Is he drinking milk or something? I milk. It was such a bad choice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's right. Um, speaking of all things food and drink, um, and we, we actually spoke the other day about your alternate job, your alternate dream job, which is an actor. You'd, yeah, you'd yeah, love to be yeah, an actor. Yeah, right. Um, I've got another job for you, if you are interested yep, at okay. some stage in your life. How would you like to be a professional ham sniffer? No thanks. <laughs> a ham sniffer. Um, now, I've got to just paint the picture here for you. Uh, Cinco Jotas, which has apparently been producing Iberian ham for uh, since 1879. So they're sort of the, the goats of ham, right? Um, of the goats, goats of pigs, <laughs> the goats of pigs, uh, and they practice uh, in a, in a small little. Uh, I think it's a Spanish village, or it could be an Italian village. Um, and they have this technique that they haven't changed. Um, they smoke uh, their ham in, in a room full of oak fires. Um, <laughs> they they uh, cure the ham in a cellar. Their employees climate control by opening and closing windows, yeah, so yeah. there's no heaters or anything in there. Um, but one part of the job which they have also kept is. Uh, um, is is the sniffing, and they've got six sniffers, whose job it is to poke each loin in four specific places with probes, the loin, and and take get this evaluative, 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 yeah, evalu- evaluative whiffs, evaluative whiffs, whiffs, and uh, there's a man, Mr. Vega. I don't know his first name. Um, he's the only sniffer who's full-time all year round. Um, he's held that distinction since 2004. Um, in the low season, around February, um, he can smell around 200 hams a day. Um, but at the climax, we're talking Christmas. Yeah. Everyone wants Christmas ham. 800 loins a day, that's 3,200 sniffs. Why the loin? Why the loin? Uh, the maybe that's where the real aroma so comes from. So he's going up and going, hmm. <laughs> This is nice. Yes, but I think as a profi- like this. as a professional sniffer, there's probably some sort of like technique to it, right? Yeah. It might be like, <laughs> you know, like a little, might be a little sort of song that goes, or, or the classic, the, the amateur one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think I think that'll be the part timers doing that. Um, and this is a great because the best the quote from him says that at the moment um, he, they're strained, right? They're stretched because. 3,200 sniffs a day for one person. He says he is working at the limit of human possibility. <laughs> so there you go. If you want to um, if you want to become a professional ham sniffer. Mate, that, that is the best story all week. Yeah, if you want to be a, a, yeah. go to uh, J- Jabugo, which is the village where um, they make this ham. Um, and to other news and, and sports related, um, Mike T- we talked about Mike Tyson yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, his bodyguard has actually um, revealed in an interview um, that... Tyson would purpose, purposely yep. knock out his sparring opponents like ASAP, ASAP yeah. so that he could go home and watch Tom and Jerry. He was like really obsessed with watching Tom and Jerry. So he would have sparring sessions in Vegas that would go from 12 till 5. Yeah. Um, and he, obviously, we all know Tyson would be the nicest guy beforehand asking his sparring partners, you know, how are you doing today? How's the family? Um, <laughs> but then he would just knock the five guys out within the hour, within an hour. So he had five hours worth of space. He did it in an hour just so we could go home and watch Tom and Jerry. I love Tom and Jerry. I yeah. love Tom and Jerry. Have you got a fun fact for me? I do have a fact for you, mate. Finland. Have you been to Finland? No. I'd like to go to Finland. Okay. Um, nice vodka. There's one reason why I think you'd like it in Finland, Stephen. That's because um, if you get a speeding ticket, 
in Finland, um, it's actually proportional to your income. So you don't, it's not just a blanket like, oh, everyone gets $60. It's proportional to your income. Um, and that was highlighted in 2002 when a Nokia executive, so a big honcho, um, he got a ticket for $103,000. Yeah, for okay. going forty-five and a thirty. Yeah, I'm not going to play this game because you're going to say, "Hey, Stephen, how much would you?" And I'm, I'm, I can't play that. And I'm not going to play that game. All me right, and, that's me and Brian. It'd be about two bucks. All so. right, <laughs> that's what's been making news. It's ten fifty-three. And for me, Ian Smith on SENZ. Ten fifty-eight on a Thursday morning nationwide. Trust your preparations for Christmas are going well. We've got Liam Lawson, another MIQ. Prisoner, you might say, coming your way after 11, along with your chance to try and stump me and the McFiver. Chris enjoyed your your sniffing of ham story. Sam, yeah, he, 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 he said it's so cool. Yeah, well, look, what's making news? It's it's um you know it's a bit different. We we don't it's not just sport that we target. Um, uh, e for entertainment. Correct, correct. So uh, no, we do love giving out those stories that are a little bit uh, quirky and wacky. Um, because if we talk sport all day, Stephen, I'd probably go crazy. Yeah, no, no. I, I, I Well, that's the SCNZ <laughs> sport. Sports Entertainment Network. Yeah. And I, I'm, a, I'm a great believer in keeping things real and, and, and touching people. Hang on. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Whoa, back whoa, in the, whoa, whoa, whoa. Hand sniffing and touching people. <laughs> and, don't put that in the same sentence. Touch, oh, man, now stop it. You know, touching people and talking about things that matter. When I say touch people, getting in the groove of what's happening in our everyday life. Ha- and ham sniffing matters. Ham sniffing oh, You know what? I'm actually going to have a think about it. Go home and try and sniff a ham and see <laughs> and see how. I'm not so sure about the loin of them. Hey, just quickly on the SENZ Twitter handle, uh, Brisbane's Jermaine Asako, right? Yes. Kiwi? Yep. Just signed a three-year deal with the Dolphins. Wow. So he'd, he'd probably pick up for them. That's a really good pickup for them. So maybe if you've got some thoughts on Jermaine Asako going to the Dolphins in 2023, he's a very good pickup. 0800 150 811. That's 0800 150 811. Liam Lawson, after the 11 o'clock news, right here, live on Summer Days on SENZ. Days with Stephen McIver and for me, Ian Smith on SENZ. On a Thursday afternoon, my leg warmers are on and so are my tights. Oh, one of the great ones of the 80s, Gloria. I've got a great story about this that I'll tell uh, a bit later on, Stephen. You want to hear it? I will, I will. I'm sure it's probably a little bit too old for our next guest because he's a young gun, and I mean young, fast gun. Liam Lawson is going into another season of F2, but he's just completed a season of F2, uh, German touring cars, the old DTM, and having his first ever scream around an F1 track in an F1 car, and he joins us in MIQ. Hello, mate. Welcome home. 
Thank you very much. It's uh, very, very nice to be home finally. Yeah, mate, it's, it's lovely to have you home. Okay, so you know how I always uh, take the mickey out of you with your hair, right? You're always brushing, pulling yeah. your hands through your hair. Caught you again, mate, in the seat fit on the Red Bull we- website. You're sitting in to get your seat fit and you're putting your hands through your hair. Come on, Liam. I know it was it was right before I got a cast. So it was quite long, and um, yeah, I was obviously looking up and down quite a lot, trying to get comfortable in the car. And so, yeah, the photographers never never seem to miss that shot. No, nah, mate, I'm I'm going to call you out any day. But look, I'm so so happy for you. Tell us about the experience of the young drivers test in the Alpha Tori. Um, it's it's completely crazy, honestly. It's just it's such a it's such a step up uh, in in every every single way. I flew to the factory to do that seat fit a couple of months prior to the test and we spent the entire day just on this one seat making it absolutely perfect. Um, they would not let me leave until uh, even stuff that I wasn't asking for, they'd say, just try this and see if it's nice. If it's good or not, we'll, we'll use it or not. And, and quite often it was like, yeah, that's better. Or So they, they really wanted to make sure it was perfect. And then on the test, um, you have like, 25, 30 people around you, just one around one car um, to um, basically be there for you and and uh, and obviously make the get the car ready before you drive out. It's it's quite surreal. Um, that's that's for sure. And I was definitely nervous driving out of the garage the first time. Um, well, you didn't stall but, it, and then didn't stall it. But that's the thing with 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 the car. Everything is made when you sit in it, the steering wheel. Everything is made to be literally perfect and and the most comfortable um it can be for the driver to to operate because there's so many switches you have to change in the car when you're when you're on track they're constantly asking you to to basically change stuff um so everything's super super comfortable the the way the clutch is it releases really nicely um yeah it is it is seriously it's really really cool and so so fast what was going through your mind as you're going out the pit lane, and then you get on get on the track, and then you you, you say, "Okay, time to squeeze the throttle." What was the what were you thinking? Were you, were you thinking, or were you just in a bit of a daze? Well, initially, it was uh, AW's pit exit is goes under a bridge. Yeah, that's and right. It's really tight, and the car's really wide. So I was initially thinking, "Don't crash before you even go on the track." <laughs> Um, but once, no, no, once I was once I was out, it was fine. Um, the 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 thing is, the, the car's got a uh, thousand horsepower, right? So it's it's a, and it doesn't weigh um, it weighs like seven hundred eight hundred kilos. So, um, but that's the last thing you notice about the car. It is it's the downforce uh, initially. It, it's unbelievable how much speed, um, how, how just ridiculously stable and planted it is. We're going through corners that F two has a lot of downforce. It's a very high aero car, but corners that we can't even go flat around in a in an F2 car, we're going nearly twice the speed in F1, and it's easy flat. So it's just ridiculous how. And then the, the braking, um, because of all that downforce, when you brake, we can brake later than we do in F2, and we're arriving faster. So um, it's just stupidly fast. Like uh, yeah, so so fast. Was it everything you dreamed of? Uh yeah, and 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 more. Um, I always. The thing is, you, uh, before I drove, um, obviously there's a lot of time, and I was speaking to my coach about it. I had to really remind myself to, to I guess, sit back and um, actually really enjoy the experience um, because it's obviously it's it's a it's a once in a lifetime thing, and hopefully more for me. But um, you know, it's it's definitely a um, something that we 
something I've thought about since I was a kid that I finally do it. It was something that I needed to remind myself to enjoy. But there's so much going on in that initial stage when you first go out on track that uh, I was just, yeah, quite quite busy. Um, but towards the end of the day, I, 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 and I got more used to it, um, it was definitely, yeah, something I, I just really, really enjoyed. Your times were good, but what was even more impressive was your engineer being quoted pretty much along the lines of they were very impressed with how you were able to adapt and adapt very quickly. Uh, if we read between the lines, and it's, it's we know how tough it is to get into F1, do you, do you, they like what they see in you, Liam. I mean, what what are your chances in, in, in maybe, let's say, 12 to 24 months of getting a seat? Um, yeah, well, I think it, was, it obviously was a very important test because uh, you can judge somebody off off, uh, off everything I say driving and F2 and F3 and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, F1's so different that you need to find out whether you can drive an F1 car or not. So I'm glad I wasn't so bad in one because uh, it is so it is so different. But um, it also it, it depends a lot on uh, on future tests. Hopefully, I get some more opportunities to to drive next year. Um, but also in, in the simulator, working with the team, there's a lot more development and preparations that go on. So um, you have to be able to basically stick through that and 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 help develop the car in the simulator. Your feedback has to be strong. It comes down to uh, sort of a lot of things. Um, so it's it's definitely a big step taken. I think we're we're a step closer to it for sure with with the test now being done. But uh, I think a lot has to happen yet. So we just need a need a strong year next year. Yeah, no, I hear what you're saying. Your F2 year was was an okay year, but you had a, a stunning year, but a, we won't talk about the finish. But German touring cars, yeah, yeah. as an experience for you, what was that like? Forgetting the, the rubbish that happened at the end, because we're all upset about that, but your actual season in D- German touring cars was outstanding. You adapted again to a, another type of car, a tin top. Yeah, I actually really enjoyed it. So the, the car itself was, um, is... Obviously, it's not anywhere near as fast as what I'm used to driving, but it's still very, very nice because it's a supercar and you, it's everything is, in a way, it's obviously not as advanced as F1, but um, it's it's designed and made to be as nice as possible to drive. So everything works really, really nicely, um, which which I enjoy. And also, it was my first experience in a manufacturer championship. So having a team that basically, it's your own car, so we're working alongside Ferrari, and because it's your own car, that that everything they can into it um, with development and it's a lot more passion behind it when it's like that because you, you don't just have the drivers and, the, and sort of the team that works when you have the manufacturer that, that's backing you as well so um, that side of it I really enjoyed uh, and obviously excluding what happened in the final weekend the whole season was, was really amazing actually and something that I will look back on um, and I think this, I, 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 the, all, the, all the guys from the team were, were amazing to, to work alongside and built some great relationships there. So, um, yeah, the season was, was really, really fun for me. And um, I think, like you said, F2 wasn't exactly how we planned it. Uh, I think it was a good experience. But, um, yeah, I think that, uh, we, I mean, looking at the results, it's not where we, we, where we really should have ended up. I know there are decisions to be made over your relationship with Red Bull and your F2 team, but uh, can you give me any indication of whether you will concentrate solely on F2 next year or will there be something else uh, when and if you re- renegotiate your Red Bull contract? Will they put you somewhere else to, just to keep you active? Um, 
Well, it's already been expressed that uh, I won't be doing DTM again. Um, so that obviously came came from Red Bull sides, um, and it's more for me to focus on Formula Two. So I'll basically um, at this stage I'll be racing only in only in Formula Two next year, um, and that's really about. I guess all I can say right now. Yeah, no, no, no. I wasn't going to try and put you on the spot. I, I was, I was given the heads okay. up by your manager. I just wanted to get some understanding. Because, are you happy just doing F two, or would you like to be busier? No, I think so because the next year the calendar is uh, a lot, a lot bigger. So the calendar was pretty horrible this year. We had massive, massive gaps. It was okay for me because I was doing DTM as well, but um, the gaps were just were, were were too big. And having three races on a weekend, two of them being reverse grid races, it was just chaos. So. I think next year the calendar goes bigger. We have 14 rounds and only two races on the weekend like it used to be. So one sprint race with less points and the feature race, which will put a lot more, I guess, um, will be a lot more on the feature race to, to do well to score your points from it because that's where you get most of the points from. So I think it's a better format um, and we'll be pretty busy next year. I think I'll be spending more time uh, in the simulator as well um, with with. Red Bull to, to help them as well and obviously at the same time that's um, developing me as well so I think I'll still be very busy next year. Oh that's brilliant. Now look uh, we know that it's no secret in the in business you're in uh, Cash is King. You have a very strong sponsor and a really cool sponsor too in Roden Cars and David Dicker who himself is a pretty handy little GT racer but I'm told that the FZ his, his open wheeler you're going to be putting on show this summer am I correct in that? Yeah, no, we will be we'll be doing um doing some, some demonstration runs um at at a couple of rounds down south which I'm super excited for. It's a car that um I drove for the first time at David's track, which in itself is a, a ridiculous experience. <laughs> yeah. It's such a cool place there. Isn't it just um but I also hope to open it up around Donington in the UK this year. They they have their new facilities over there, so um, and that was that was really nice. So I'm looking forward to to showing everybody what uh, what this car is like because it's seriously cool. There is one other car that Murph and I have seen in our Sky Speed show. We've only seen uh, we we saw the original. That's about four years ago, but we've now seen the the full mock up of the F Zero, which looks like a a futuristic wacky racer sort of car. Uh, are you going to get have a crack in that and win? I hope so. Um, I, at this stage, I'm not sure exactly when, but um, no, no. I think I think I will, and I think uh, it's a very, very cool project. It's not often. I mean, even in Formula One, um, the cars are obviously fully developed and 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 uh, aren't very restricted. But at the same time, there, there are regulations and things like that. Um, but with with this, with this car that, that David's building, I think um, it's not often you get cars that are basically built to be as as fast as possible. No, no restrictions can be. Uh, unlimitedly developed uh, and, and things like that. So I think that's a very exciting project. Um, I'm excited to uh, to see the car in, uh, in person um, and, and hopefully have a stare of it. Oh, man. And fully enclosed cockpit too, which is even better. So if you go to Roden Cars, look them up and take a look at the F0. That's a whole lot of fun. To look. Oh, it excites me even because I'm, I'm a kid. It looks like a really futuristic car. Uh, Chris- futuristic, yeah, it does. Yeah. Cr- Christmas in MIQ? At this, yeah, well, it will be. Um, so I'll be. I'm in in Auckland at the moment, um, looking out my window at Rainbow's Inn right now. Um, so in a good in a good spot this time. I've uh, I've done a quarantine a couple of times now in a hotel, and the the first one it wasn't a great hotel. So we're in, luckily in a nice one here, um, and hopefully it's just a seven days um, 
at, at this age as well. We just had a letter this morning, unfortunately, that somebody in, in our hotel has COVID. So um, hopefully it's not the, the new strand of uh, Omicron because I think that'll extend my, my stay here, unfortunately. Um, but we'll see. All right, mate. Well, uh, all I can say is thanks for giving us your time. As always, you're very generous with it. But congratulations on another five-star year. It can only get better. Uh, enjoy your summer Christmas, mate. Thanks. Thanks so much. I'll, I'll speak to you guys soon. Yeah, right. There you go. Liam Lawson, F2 driver, uh, F1 test pilot, just done as Alpha Tori, uh, German DTM driver, and, and a lovely young man who is very, very quick and very adaptable, just why I think you'll find that Red Bull will renegotiate another contract for him to keep him on their books because he is quick. 11.16 here on Summer Days with Stephen McIver, 0800 150811. Just uh, repeating that news we had just before 11 o'clock that Jermaine Asako, the, the Kiwi, is leaving the Brisbane Broncos in 2023. He signed a three-year deal with the new team, the Dolphins. Not a bad pickup at, at all. All right, coming soon, the McFiver live. This is Summer Days with Stephen McIver and for me, Ian Smith on SENZ. Eleven twenty-two this Thursday morning, wherever you are around New Zealand. I hope you're feeling okay. I think it's important as we head into Christmas and after the two years we've been through, we try and find something good in the situation that we are in. Maybe it's the McFiver. Who knows? It might be. We'll see. We'll see. Now, see, I had a story about um, Gloria, the song, um, which I'm going to riddle you with, and then I'll ask you a question off the back of it, which will be question one. So, um, Gloria, I play that song because I remember about two years ago, um, in the in my favourite sport, the NHL. And I'm wearing my Boston Bruins shirt proudly today, um, Stephen. It was the Bruins and the Blues, the St. Louis Blues in uh, the Stanley Cup final. It went mm-hmm. to Game 7, the Blues won in Boston. Let's not talk about it. Um, <laughs> but that season, I was talking to B-Man, that season, um, halfway through the season at Christmas, so right at this point, they were the last team in the league. Um, they fired their coach. They had a fight at training. It was you know, the video went viral. Excellent. Two, two guys fighting at training. And they brought in a rookie goal, goalie, goaltender, because, you know, they're having all these woes. Um, and from Christmas through to the end of the season, they went on a massive run. They made the playoffs, and they won the Stanley Cup. It was an amazing comeback story from the midway point. And the anthem for the season was Gloria. And they their whole thing, I think they had an Alexa in their locker room, yeah. and they'd say, play Gloria and so their whole sort of mantra for the rest of the season was play Gloria and they'd play it after every win they played after all their playoff wins it was it was great like I mean I'm not a Blues fan but it was a great sort of who is the artist uh, Laura Brennan is it Brennigan Brennigan Laura Brennigan she's passed she passed away has she yeah a lot, oh, lot dear. Yeah, like at a really young age okay yeah. I did not know that um but yeah, so that's why I played that song and then it made me think for question number one of the McPhifer uh, what's your number one sports song your number one sports anthem. Don't say Sweet Caroline. No, gosh, no. No. <laughs> my sweet, my number one anthem. Oh, you know what? It's I just don't. Just a matter uh, of fear. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't, I look, I honestly don't have one, but I remember doing something, oh, the other day, or it was, and it was the, um, you know, the introduction to the uh, Chicago Bulls. Yeah, you know, that's that, a great one, the Alan Parsons project. The Alan Parsons project. That yeah. one for me, I go, yeah, I, and, 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 Probably takes me back to following the Bulls, and you know, at that time. So for me, 
Very cool. I think that would Very be cool. that would be top three for me. Yeah. I think that's iconic. Okay. One of the most iconic ones in sport. I, I'd say, uh, and I'm not a Liverpool fan. Are you? Are you? Uh, do you have a Premier League team? It used to be Man U. Okay. Because because when I was growing up in the in the old days, uh, Man U was the only thing you saw on telly. Yes. In, in black and white yep. and in early colour days. So it used to be. Then I sort of went for Chelsea. But you know what? It is what it is. You're just right? a, you're just a supporter of, of football. Yeah, I, I do. I, I like top flight. I like top flight football. I got a better understanding of it when I went to the U. UK in 2011 for the Four Nations and understood why football in the UK is a religion. Yeah. We were in a pub above Victoria's train station on a Monday night because we had to start the tour properly. And, yep. you, and you're watching, it was Monday night, one day, watching Monday night football. Yeah. And they've got all the toys, all the techo toys. I'm going, and I'm suddenly going, oh, shush boys, I want to have a listen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and the way they deliver football in England, five stars. So I get it. Yeah. Completely get it. Well, I was going to say, you'll never walk alone, I think, is is one of the best sort of chance, stadium chance um, yeah, it's going bit, around. It's a bit depressing, though. I understand. No, but when they, sing it, it, and they yeah. sing it in unison, it's just beautiful. And, yeah, and especially yeah. after they've done a, had a big win. And, and Salah's just keeps scoring goals. Yeah, he's got a hat trick. Um, question number two, um, a bit of a Christmas theme here. And now I know what TV show you're watching at the moment. It's done. McGruber. Is it done? Watched all of it, I yeah. was going to ask you, what, what's going to be your go-to TV or movie between Christmas and New Year? You know, a bit of time to sit down and maybe watch something on the telly. It doesn't really matter, except my my son found this illegal website, which is really good. And, and you, <laughs> Don't say that out on air. Oh, sorry. <laughs> and you can get movies that are blockbusters before they come out. Okay. So, so it'll be anything that I can find there. What do you reckon? Um, James Bond, I know that one's no, out I've seen that moment. already. You've I saw, seen that? I saw okay. that on the illegal uh, website. Are you a Kingsman? There's a new Kingsman film. Oh, that's the one. So yeah. I've watched both a million times on Netflix. They're great. Uh, and it's it's a prequel. Is it's, it? It's a going back in time. And if you look at the trailer, it's it's a as you would say, it's a banger. So it, yeah, uh, okay. Yeah. Got to remember what it is called. Can't yeah, remember. The, yeah, Kingsman. Yeah, but um, there's yeah. If you've got uh, a TV show or a movie that you think is must watch over Christmas New Year, uh, flick us a text on double eight double three. We'll uh, we'll, we'll yeah, compile that, a list. Good idea. Good idea. Um, uh, number three, and this one comes from the B-Man over here. We talked about the other day um, our underrated athletes. You'd yes. probably put Courtney Duncan in that category, wouldn't you? She's won three world champs, but we don't seem to... Yeah, but it's because uh, the media in this country, of which we are a part of, only give a toss about a couple of sports. And and it's always... And, and there is a... And, and this may sound self-centred, uh, but there is a huge following... It might be a small percentage, but there's a huge undercurrent of motorsport fans in this country. How do I know that? You just we, when we go around the country doing stories for Sky Speed, you see how many people love cars and motorsport. Then you will understand. It is given little or little coverage. We only do it in the media and our print media and the likes when someone's doing it, like a Liam Lawson, like a Shane yes. Van Gisbergen. Yeah. So I can tell you for a fact, supercars is enormous in this country. Yeah. Well, I think in in, in New Zealand. It's a bit of a cultural thing that uh, oh, niche, niche sports or sports that are small have very passionate followers. Yeah. So, like, if you are a motorsport fan, you're a very passionate motorsport. You're not just a casual, um, whereas you can get that in the bigger sports, right? You can be mm-hmm. a casual fan. Um, but, yeah. yeah, even rugby league, very, very passionate rugby yeah. league fans. Good point. I mean, then, and then when they're successful, I call them the theatre goers, the yes. ones that pop in to watch watch a game and say, oh, guess where I was, so I can be part of the party. Yes, you know exactly. Yeah. Exactly. A um, few texts already coming in here. Someone said uh, Yellowstone. I've heard good things about Yellowstone, The Witcher, new Witcher yeah, season. I, out I, Netflix. I started watching The Witcher about a year ago and got a bit bored with Henry oh, no. Cavill. Oh no, The Witcher's so, great. The Witcher's you, great. Oh, I saw the new Dune movie. Oh, I saw that illegally. Incredible. 
Yeah, I was, I was a bit disappointed. Have you read the book? No. Oh, if you read the book, um, it is not only is it cinematically amazing, um, but it's one of the best, in my mind, one of the best book-to-movie adaptions I've seen. I think I should have seen it on a big screen. Oh, you have to. You have to watch it at the movies. The sound, yeah, but the, the story it's a big is a, movie. But, but the story's not that flash. It's and, amazing. And oh, the, I, but you, you do know that the, it's only part one of the story, right? It's the book. It's halfway in the uh, book. Well, the way it finished, then it makes sense. Correct. And, and the, what they're saying is after you've seen the second one, you'll then look back on them together and be like, oh, it was amazing. But okay. it's a common that people are saying the first one, oh, it didn't really sort of go any. It's not a banger. It's, set, it's a setup. <laughs> okay, it's a setup. fair enough. Um, question number four, just really quickly off the top yeah. of your head, Stephen. How good was that fight card last night? Rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> Say no more. Rubbish. I see. After talking to George Rose, I was so excited. Blew my 40 bucks, you know, and blew that out Can't my get, backside. Yeah, it's not going to get back. Yeah, no. And uh, I'll finish with a would you rather, as I always do. Yep. Stephen, um, think about this one just for half a second. Would you rather um, have all of your messages and photos on your cell phone leaked publicly for everyone to see, if they wish to see? Okay, I mean, not right. everyone's going to go and look at them, but they are there to see. Or you can never, ever use a cell phone ever again you'd be stuck oh. to a landline <laughs> yeah I'd, I'd go I'd, I'd I'd risk the messages and photos you would okay I'd risk the messages you can't do a clear beforehand this is you know yeah, no, as it stands I'd risk the messages and photos I'd get okay. in trouble don't worry about that <laughs> <laughs> it is 11.30 here we go That has got to be, I, I don't care what anybody says, it, it's a little disappointing when it comes in That's not IGY, What a Beautiful World from uh, Donald Fagan, who someone texted me the other day, was uh, the lead singer for Steely Dan, right? Uh, but it, the, the song itself is, I've got Donald Fagan, actually the album, the the vinyl, it's a very cool, it's a love, and that feel is, is so good. Hey, just a reminder, we've got the temper text of the week because it wins the temper pillow with $299. The best text of the month, we give away tomorrow, yes! The Temper Queen package. Hold your trousers. A Temper Queen mattress. Temper Queen adjustable base. And two Temper pillows. The value. Hold your breath. Here we go. $10,000 worth we give away tomorrow. And that's pretty exciting. 11.33, I'm sure. Pip Morris at the TAB, where you can bet live on your favourite sports by downloading the app today, would be very excited if that was under the Christmas tree. A $10,000 Temper package. Good morning to you, Stephen. Yes, I certainly would be. I can tell you that. I think everyone would be fingers crossed they can win that. Yeah, I, 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 you know what staggers me more than anything, but that how expensive it is to buy beds. So if you win one of those, uh, that's how she rolls. So what, what's going on with you today? Oh, we've got plenty to look forward to. Twilight meeting for the Gallops out of Matamata for the first race around 2.53. Bonus back races on both of those as well. Races 1 and 2. Terminating pick 6 from Ashburton Harness as well. That starts on race number 5, I believe. As well, so do check that out. And then, of course, for the sports side of things, uh, the cricket. There's a bonus back for the cricket, your top run scorer. So if you place a top run scorer bet and they get the second or third highest, you'll get a bonus back. So you can check out all the TNCs there and, and tell you there's been a good bet to place about 8,500 on the Stags at 275 to win the whole comp- competition. That was placed a couple of days ago. All righty. What are you doing for Christmas, Pip? Working? I am last day working today, actually, Stephen, then heading down to Rotorua for a family Christmas, so very much looking forward to it. Do, do you go, are you one of these sort of blue lake swimmers, that beautiful blue lakes around that area, or is that, what you, is that the I go? Am, yes. Oh, 
You are. Is it, around there. is it cold though? Is it cold at this time of the year? Being it's a lake? It's freezing, I have to say. Yeah, it is freezing, but the kids get in there. They don't mind it. They don't seem to feel the cold, do they? Oh, how old are the kids? Uh, six and seven. Oh, perfect. So very much looking forward to Christmas. Yeah, it's a perfect time. <laughs> My, mine are all grown up, so, you know, they're older in their late teens, early twos, and uh, I, I miss that part. But hey, happy Christmas. I think well, I'll probably talk to you again anyway. So uh, uh, take it easy, man. You too. Have a good Christmas. Yeah, thanks, Pip. That's uh, Pip Morris from the TAB. Promotions in plan. Hundreds of sports markets to choose from. You can visit the tab.co.nz and gamble responsibly, please. Of course, it is R18. Uh, yes, you can call now if you wish. Yes, okay. Here is what we say. This is your cue to call. If you think you can stump me, and most people can, then call me now. 0800 150 That's 0800 150 If I'm right, uh, Sam, the jackpot was won yesterday of $150. I think it was one yesterday, so we're back to $50. Uh, TAB betting voucher. The cue to call for Stumped by Stephen 0800 150 Got a text in here uh, from Brett who responded to uh, me saying, ah, oh, the old theatre goes. He goes, Stephen, is there anything wrong with being a theatre goer? Who knows? That person might come back again. There's only so many diehard fans. Have a good Christmas. Yes, though, that is a very fair statement to make. It's just that I, I tire of the theatre goes that go on to make it sound they've been supporting any team for so long when they may have only watched one or two games. But, oh, yes, I was there. May I join you around the cooler to talk about it? Yeah, I get you, I get you, Brett, and happy Christmas to you as well. If you have some thoughts on being a, a supporter, are you a full-time supporter of a team or a league, or are you a I'm in, I'm out, I'm in, I'm out? I'd really like to know. Call me too, 0800 150 It's 11.36. See if you can stump me next. Ian Smith on SENZ. Stumped by Stephen. 11.41 on a Thursday. The jackpot was won yesterday of $150. Now it's back to 50 but it's a chance for you to be a winner before Christmas, Sam. It is. Stephen, and we've got three categories, as we always do, are the carryovers, uh, boxing and football. They have yet to be taken this week. They sit on their lonesome. Uh, <laughs> the new category for today is tennis. Mm, oh, that's an interesting Tennis. One. We've gone for something a little bit, um, well, off piece, but it's a little bit um, different. And we've got uh, Nick, I think, on the line first. Do we have you there, Nick? Yes, you do. Hey, guys. Hey, mate. How are you doing? Very good. Just on my way to make a potato and leek soup, so I thought I'd get you on the blower. Oh, fantastic. Excuse me. Can you just repeat that and say it slowly? Nick from Christchurch, what are you about to do? I was on my way to make a potato and leek soup for Christmas and I uh, heard your cue to call, so stoked to be here. What a catch you are yeah. for somebody. <laughs> are, you thinking about putting a, are you thinking about putting any ham in that soup, Nick? Make sure you sniff it. Real- make sure you sniff it first. It- yeah, it ruins it actually. You, no, I'm just straight. I'm not actually vegetarian, but it's one of my sort of go-to vegetarian dishes. So um, yeah, no, it's good the way it is. Okay, I, fair I, I like me a good potato and leek soup. That's impressive. Now, something that you can add to it um, if you have trouble sleeping, Nick, is, uh, is sleep drops, um, which you can potentially win yeah. uh, on this segment. It's New Zealand's only specialist range of sleep and stress support supplements and a fifty-dollar TAB bonus bet. That's all up for grabs if you can get past Stephen McIver. Now, you need to pick which category you want to take: boxing, football, or tennis. Uh, boxing, please. Boxing. Look, it's straight in. He knew what he. He knew. Ooh. Did you pre? Did you think about boxing before we even got to the segment, or you just picked that up now? 
But while I was waiting, I was had my fingers crossed for cricket, but boxing would probably be my silver medal. Yeah, so. see, hey, it's me, mate. There's no way cricket's going to be part of this again if I have to do this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we did cricket yesterday. That was, just, that was the last time we were ever allowed to do that for Stephen. So, uh, okay, we'll put, we'll put boxing uh, at the top of the list. Uh, three questions. If you get the third question right, um, you take home all of the chocolates. Let's play Stump by Stephen. Okay, question number one, Nick, in boxing. In what year did Joseph Parker beat Andy Ruiz for the WBO heavyweight title? Oh, man. Uh, I'm going to say 2016. Just a couple of chips down the wicket, right in the slot, and away it goes. Well done, I was gonna, I was going to say the same thing, too. I had to... He I had was the gloves there. ready. He had the gloves ready. Yeah, I was there, man. He and was waiting for you. I, can I just say something on that, too, by the way, Nick? Everybody said Parker didn't really win the fight. Well, I bumped into Andy Ruiz in the corridor after the fight. His face was an absolute mess, and Parker looked yeah. untouched. So that's all I'm saying. There you go. Question number two, Nick. In what round... This is actually quite tough. In what round (laughs) did Jake Paul knock out Tyrone Woodley in their celebrity boxing match on the weekend? Oh. Um, Wow. Third round? Ooh, that's not correct. Let's see if uh, Stephen McIver can... Two? Two? Also incorrect. So he's safe there. He came out of the crease. He charged down the wicket, but the ball seemed to have uh, dropped below Stephen's pads. And why do we always use cricket analogies? <laughs> because it's called stumped by Stephen. Oh, okay, right. <laughs> the name of the segment. <laughs> oh my On god. A low shipping Adelaide wicket. Yeah, exactly. Oh, exactly. It's it's hooping everywhere. Um, <laughs> Nick, final question. If you can get this one right, mate, the sleep drops. The TAB both. Oh, does he get an extra goal? Because we both got it wrong. Get yeah, right. He's still in. Okay. He's, uh, he's going for his fifty. Come on, Nick. So, uh, Nick, question number three. I think you'll get this. Which former pro boxer was known as the Raging Bull? Oh, oh, oh man. Oh, I'm, I'm doing the same thing. Oh, um. Um. Going to need an answer from you. Nick, yeah, um, it's a T20 we're playing here, mate, not a test match. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. Um, Lennox Lewis. Oh, no, oh, no, that's no, incorrect. Close, that's incorrect. Stephen, can you stump him? But it, what happens here if he stumps him? If he doesn't stump him, what happens? Uh, well, if, if he doesn't stump, Nick gets the 50. If he stumps, it jackpots the Oh, so line. if I get this okay. wrong, you win. He yep. does win, so he's safe. He, he bets. doesn't get the sleep. Oh, the raging bull was... Uh, old school boxer. Uh... <laughs> Getting out to Joe, from. Joe. Uh, no, no, oh, no, done. Oh, I'm, I'm okay, done. We're, we're, we're leaving it Who there. Was it's it? Jake LaMotta. Was nah, it's Jake oh. LaMotta. Oh, it's Jake no. LaMotta. So I was going to, I had a big winning sort of music um, <laughs> bed ready to play for you, Nick, but it's a bit um, sort of uh, anticlimax. So you've won the. <laughs> I, heard, uh, I heard boxing on the other day and it was so much easier than that, but yeah, <laughs> no, fair play. I'll take my 10 not out. Fair enough, mate. You, you, they might have been playing Bangladesh the other day. You were playing India uh, this afternoon. <laughs> yeah. um, so you've got yourself a $50 TV bonus bet for, so for staying in. It just doesn't get the sleep drops. You need to hit, oh, yeah. hit it out of the park to get the sleep drops. So. There you go. Uh, hey, mate, uh, congratulations. Do us a favour. Text text us the uh, the uh, recipe for the uh, soup, please. The leek and potato soup. No worries. It sounds, it sounds really good, but congratulations. But you, you had 50 bucks to spend on the tab. What would you do with that? Would you Are you a sporty sort of guy or a racing sort of guy? 
I sort of uh, dabble between the two, to be honest, but it'll be something on Boxing Day, cricket, uh, much to your disgrace, cricket, cricket orientated. <laughs> oh, no, don't get me wrong. I'm just, you know, it's just not my go-to. So, but you're, so hey, we, we call you a dabbler. Yeah, absolutely, and I've appreciated your league comms over the years. League's my number one, so I can obviously appreciate your knowledge there. <laughs> well, thank you kindly, mate. Happy Christmas, and thanks for being a winner. You too, mate. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. You're well, more than welcome. 11.40, what a polite what a polite listener. And potentially we are going to get the potato and leeks. What a great way to answer a phone call. So what are you doing, mate? Well, I'm actually just uh, getting doing my potato and leek recipe and taking it to mum and dad. How good is that? Yeah, and I feel sorry for Nick because they were tough questions to be fair. I thought boxing, if you pick boxing, you, you're quite on the pulse. So I thought I'd really try and yeah, test but, them but, there. But, but it wasn't a, it was a historical one. Yeah, the Jake LaMotta Raging Bull. I mean, if you if you knew your sort of historic boxes, you might get it, but um, it was tough. But it was uh, a good one. He gets a, he gets a bonus bit out that, of it. That was the movie with... Um, uh, oh, man, what is wrong with me at the moment? I can't remember the half of what I'm talking about. 11.48. Um, you know how I, I said that about that theatre-going thing, you know, and we got questioned by Brett about being a theatre-goer as a supporter? Now, uh, there's a text in here that says, I agree, Stephen. I've been an Arsenal fan, and my kids can only support... <laughs> One team, also a chief supporter in Wellington. One of my young fellas went along to the cake tin with his flag. Oh, hang on. Just quickly, Stephen. He went along to the cake tin with his chief's flag, which his mates destroyed after the right team won. <laughs> How tough is it out there to be a supporter? And then the other team wins and your mates destroy your flag. If I was the parents of those boys that destroyed their, 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 that flag, I would be having a word with them. I would be having a word. Especially if it's a cheese flag, Stephen. You don't destroy that um, holy uh, piece of well, no, you don't. paraphernalia. Um, I um, I really missed a trick uh, cashing in on Leicester City because I lived in Leicester as a young kid. When I was six years old, I lived in Leicester and went to a game. Went to a game at the park and my name was on the screen. It was like, uh, it was our school. It was like, <laughs> welcome to the you know primary school and listed all our names. Um, and I came home and I had all the gear. I had key rings. I had shirts. I had everything. I came home. Went to rugby. When I came back to football, I picked some stupid top-tier club, and uh, I regret it because had I stuck with them, how good would have uh, 2015 been? So here's something that you you have experienced that others won't, and being yes. a Kiwi too, is you've experienced what it's like to be part of a sport which is like a religion. And everybody says to me in this country, oh, you know, rugby's the national game, it's a religion. Yeah, nah. Mate. We, we honestly, and I'm not being, being a tosser here, Apart from small, a smaller sports of passion, rugby supporters in this country may be passionate, but they do not show it at a game. It's all very well to wave your flag and, and do this and the whole nine yards at a game, but they're not overly passionate. They don't sing. I agree. They sit, they sit and clap nicely. The last test I went to was uh, a South Africa, England, uh, sorry, a South Africa All Blacks test at Eden Park. I can't even remember when. And I was gobsmacked. As Gobs, actually, no, that wasn't, though. That was a way. That was the. No, the last test I went to was actually a Lions test, and I was absolutely off my. I was toasted. Uh, yeah, so I was on a boys' day out. So, no, but the one I went to that I remember was, was the way you just wouldn't make any noise. There was no constant barracking, no giving the referee jip uh, like they do at a Warriors game. None yeah. of that at all. It's, oh. And I'm going, how can you. How can you embrace a team and not say anything? Yeah, no, it's it's and you buy into it. Now I went to a uh, baseball game in at Fenway Park, and the thing is, oh, I'm a Kiwi, Stephen, so I I have that background of being a bit subdued and being, yeah. but when but when you have that environment around you, it lifts everyone, right? And and so if we, it's, it's contagious. It, it's it like contagious. COVID. It is contagious. Like COVID. So, I mean, if we had, I think people out there say, oh, we're just not, you know, we're just not those type of people. You would be 
if you had it around you, you know, if it was there almost inherently. It has to be. It has to be generated by the clubs uh, and the sport itself. Hurricanes hard, says this individual. You could have called me rather than text. We travelled four and a half hours from the Naki for every home game, even after our union decided to go with the Chiefs. Now, that's support, right? It is, it is. But rather than text me, call me and tell me why, because that's what it's all about. It's 11.52 here on Summer Days on SENZ. Seven after midday today, we can confirm uh, Black Caps coach Gary Stead to talk about the selections. Of course, everybody's going off like a firecracker that there's no Ajaz Patel, but uh, Mr. Stead has already said a horses for courses approach is why Ajaz Patel has not been selected for this Bangladeshi tour. Anyway, 0800 150 is the, uh, the number to call if you've got something to say. Hey, Bruce, how are you? Stephen, great show. Hey, a quick random call from some sport. Formula One tragic. I happened to drive trucks for Europe for two or three years ago, back in the 90s. And uh, I happened to get a job into Monaco. And um, once we finished our unloading on the sad day, we stayed there on the 10th floor apartment on the boulevard. And I got to drive most of the Formula One track in my Scania 360. <laughs> How about that? Excellent. <laughs> how, how, what was it like ripping it through the tunnel and having to brake? Let right. <laughs> Uh, unbelievable. Amazing venue, mate. Just uh, the place of the money, I tell you. Well, you've done something many of us many, many of us have never done. Oh, thanks for the call, mate. Hey, I really appreciate hey, that. Hey, hey, I want to thank you. Two books you kindly gifted me a while back for a gift. We're talking about the warriors I got, and I'll, I will very much enjoy reading them over Christmas. You Two are- movies, The Lake House and Sliding Doors. Who most watched? All right. Bruce, really appreciate the call. Thank you. You didn't have to ring and say thank you, but as much appreciated. Thanks for listening. And uh, just make sure when, you, when you're driving that scanner around the place that you don't sort of you know, fall into <laughs> F1 mode. Have a great Christmas, mate. Ha- happy Christmas, mate. And look, All the best. Yeah, thank you so much, mate. That's really nice of you to call. Hey. Uh, by, the way, to, by the way, by the way, if you are um, uh, afraid to call, don't be, because we have a call of the week. We give away a 50-buck uh, val- night and day voucher, and we want to do that. We're going to do that. We're going to give it away tomorrow. So if you want to be like Bruce, ring up, say what you've been up to, what you're doing for Christmas, uh, anything sport-related, anything non-sport-related, I really don't care, because we're about a sports entertainment, not just a sport itself. So if, uh, and of course, your favourite go-to movies, your books over summer, give us a call, 0800 150 11. That's 0800 150811. After midday today, this Thursday, the 23rd of December, 2021, we'll talk to Black Caps coach Gary said approximately around to 12.30, and also we'll play one of our feature interviews from a, a super successful sporting year for New Zealanders, and we'll talk to Blackfern 7's rock star winger in the form of Michaela Blythe. There's so much more to come. And after one today, we're going to go to the uh, USA, the good old US of A. Uh, Talk to Mike Sando from The Athletic about the NFL and how it's going to unfold as we head into week 16. Who's going to win Super Bowl? Who's going to be there? Is it the older quarterbacks or the younger quarterbacks? Stay with us. 0800 150 811. This is SENZ. With Stephen McIver and for me, Ian Smith on SENZ.
three on a Thursday afternoon, keeping a key with a bit of she-hard. Yee-hard is what I would say as we head towards uh, Christmas. This is Thursday, the 23rd of December, 2021. And this is Summer Days with Stephen McIver coming your way before one o'clock this afternoon. Black Caps coach Gary Stead. And he'll ask it and answer it simply, why no AGS Patel? Because everybody seems to be going off saying it's a surprise. I think you'll find it's not a surprise to anyone, most importantly, AGS Patel himself. And of course, we you know, we want you to call 0800 150 That's 0800 150 And give us your thoughts. Okay, that's what we want to do. We want to have a yak to you because it's just a good day to do that. You know, each day this week we've been celebrating a a super Kiwi year in sport with some of our interviews from 2021. One of the highest profile teams this year have been the Black Fern Sevens and we thought we'd celebrate them and replay our chat with rock star Michaela Blyde. Wants to go on her own and she's found herself in a lot of space. Sarah Hedeny giving Chase Bethron. She gets it up to Michaela Blyde and she'll score first for New Zealand. Kelly Brazier bangs it into touch. And a nation that has scaled every other peak in rugby now has the one prize that was missing. An Olympic gold. Black gold in Tokyo. New Zealand Olympic champions. Still gives me goosebumps hearing Tony Johnson's magnificent call. The Black Fern Sevens winning Tokyo gold to erase the demons on losing to Australia in Rio. One of the key players was their speedster, Michaela Blyde, who, as you heard just there, scored the first try in the gold medal match, albeit on one with a dodgy hammy. Uh, Michaela Blyde joins us now on SNZ. Michaela, congratulations on the Rugby Award success for the team. But I want to start in Tokyo. When did that hammy flare up? <laughs> uh, thanks for having me, first of all. But, yeah, like you said just then, um, I literally just got goosebumps listening to that playback as mm. well. And I like, literally had a little bit of a watery um, eye as well. I mean, I'm, I'm tough, but hearing that commentary back just, oh, it just <laughs> brings back the major feels. But... Yeah, um, to be honest, my whole preparation going into Tokyo was just really unexpected. Um, it wasn't the plan whatsoever. I probably had about two or three niggles going into it, but it was just a matter of um, knowing that I had people around me that can help me out, support me, and it was literally the Olympic Games. There was no way that I was going to miss any games. There was no way I was going to miss the final. Um, so, yeah, the hammy just literally was one of those situations where you just take a few Panadol, and away you go, you've got to carry on. But yeah, incredible tournament it was. Yeah, look, and, and when you look back at Tokyo, and I, I was, I did the final in the studio in Sky Sport, and I, I want to talk about culture in just a moment. But the one word that seems to strike me about your team that you were involved in was the word resilience. Yeah, definitely. Um, we obviously didn't have the best Olympic Games in 2016, obviously coming away with a silver, but although in saying that, the girls did incredibly well, um, despite the environment that we had, the culture that we had was completely different to what it is right now. Um, and so going into Tokyo, there was no way that we wanted to feel that feeling ever again. Um, it was just one of the hardest things that you had to do, the hardest pill you had to swallow is coming away with a silver medal um, because in our environment, or well, in our game, obviously to win silver, you've got to lose. Um, so it's a really hard feeling and it's, it's something that we didn't want to ever experience again and so going into Tokyo we literally had one goal and one goal only and that was to win gold and anything short of that wasn't good enough in our mindset um, so yeah we were we were literally 
very dangerous and very unstoppable when there was nothing that was going to get in our way come Tokyo. Well, Seema Kali, you've opened up the door to talk about culture. You said the cultures between Rio and Tokyo were completely different. So the one thing that struck me, in our studio on the night of the final, we got Shane Nathan Wong in, right? Tyler's sister. And that was, there was tears mm-hmm. everywhere. They were yeah. crying. And she spoke to me about the culture, and I, I wondered... And you've just said it, it was different. So what changed between Rio and Tokyo and who was driving it? Um, I guess a combination of management and players. Um, we, well, for starters, our head coach who has now moved on, Alan Bunting, um, when he was officially appointed as our head coach in 2016 after Rio, he focused straight away on our off-field priorities, our off-field values and our morals. Um, so then when it came to playing on the field, we already had each other's back. We already had each other's trust um, and that love for each other, which is really important when it comes to our environment because we see each other every single day. We live together. Um, we train together all the time. And so if we can't get along, then playing rugby is going to be a real hard challenge. And so for him, it was important that we focused on our culture first. So, you know, bringing it all the way back down to what our vision was, um, what we do in the gym, little things like picking up the water bottles after training. Um, it's just just those little things in life that a lot of people probably just don't think is really important, but to us it's really crucial to making sure that we're all aligned. Um, so come on field, we've got each other's back and we trust each other and all the moves and whatever we come up with just flows from there. Um, but yeah, we've just got incredible people in our environment that prioritise those things just as much as the on-field work as well. But yeah, now that we've got um, Corey Sweeney as our head coach, he's just probably going to continue what Bunt has started um, and just continue on with the work that he has created in the environment and culture. But we've got an incredible leadership group, incredible people in our team uh, who are obviously very proud Maldives, Pākehā, Fijians, and we contribute all of those cultures into our one, in one environment um, to make sure that we are all aligned and just love each other dearly, really. Yeah, and, and the key component of that culture, which, you know, is stunning because it, it appears from the outside looking in, it's a winning culture, but holding each other accountable. Yeah, definitely. We've got, um, in, in a place of love, we love to give each other feedback. Um, we're each other's critics, but in saying that, we're also our own individual perfectionists. Like, for me personally, I just... I'm one of those people that can't finish training on a bad pass or a bad catch. Um, So we're all perfectionists in some way, shape or form. But yeah, we definitely have that sort of um, culture as well where we we give each other feedback and um, it's all out of a place of love. And so come playing, we we know what we need to do and we know what our work-ons are and we just put all of our strengths together to come as one. Sarah Herney, what makes her the leader that she is? Oh, gosh, I could honestly go on all day about that lady. Um, For starters, she's a great person. Take rugby out of the picture, and she's a great person. Um, She's approachable, she's friendly, she's selfless. She's just one of those people that you can rely on no matter what. And that, to me, alone, taking away her captaincy, taking away her role in rugby is crucial in life. Um, She's just one of those people that, you want in your circle, definitely. And what she's gone through in the last 12 months is something that no person ever deserves. Um, she's just obviously had a very, very heartbreaking year with the passing of her mum in February this year. She could have easily turned around and said that she didn't want to be in our environment anymore because it was too hard, but she 
um, she decided that she would turn that heartbreak into a little bit of motivation and had almost probably the best rugby career year of her life. Um, she's just an incredible human being and what she's done for our, for our team, for our women's rugby um, is second to none. She's, and she's still got more to give. That's the crazy thing. She's still got more to give. And she's obviously going to be competing in the Super Rugby OPEC um, competition this year for the Hurricanes. And then after that, we've got Com Games and World Cup. So she's still got a lot of things to do in her rugby career. She's, I'm hoping that she's not close <laughs> to retirement. Um, but yeah, honestly, what she did last night was thoroughly deserved. She absolutely deserves everything that comes her way when it comes to those individual accolades. I know you've got a team meeting about two and a half minutes. So I was just going to ask you a couple of quick questions. What was it like getting your gold medal from Sarah? Um, I remember the first time meeting Sarah back in 2012 in Waiuru. It was our first camp. Um, I was 16, so Gossie might have been about maybe 19, 20 years old, and she was the bubbliest, smiliest person that was in that environment. Everyone was so stuck up and just in their own little world, but Gossie was just super, super friendly, and from there onwards, I was like, oh, yeah, like, you're cool, I'll look up to you, and I've looked up to her ever since. And so to receive the Olympic gold medal from her was just the cherry on top of the cake. Um, I look up to Gossie. I'll always look up to Gossie. And so to receive that gold medal was just an incredible feeling. And we bawled our eyes out together after we <laughs> gave each other a hug and a kiss. And, yeah, it was it was an incredibly proud moment just to even receive the gold medal in general. Um, I've been dreaming about it for a long time. So to finally have it and to finally have it on my mantelpiece is something that I'll never get never get bored of. I always look at it still to this day. I could talk to you all day, but I know you're busy. Uh, Michaela Bly, congratulations on a wonderful season. Uh, I'm assuming you're getting ready for Malaga in Spain in the World Series in January. And look, have an, an amazing Christmas. Uh, relive those memories, shed more tears and go well. Absolutely. You can guarantee that we'll be shedding more tears. Don't you worry about that. But yeah, next year, for those that are listening, it's a massive year for women's rugby. We've obviously got um, Sevens World Series starting back up in January, but then we've also got Commonwealth Games, World Cup Sevens, and then World Cup Fifteens for the Black Ferns. So a massive year for women's rugby. So keep an eye out for um, all the events that are coming up. Michaela, you're a champ. Happy Christmas. Michaela Blyde, uh, just an, an amazing individual. But when you get involved and hang around the, the Blackfin Sevens women just a little bit or their associates, their, their, their whanau, you understand why they are who they are and why they are so successful. I'll repeat the story I told you uh, if you were listening, <laughs> I think a couple of weeks ago somewhere here on SNZ. I was fortunate enough to be doing the Olympics for Sky Sport and was in the studio presenting the the final of the gold, the gold medal in which they won. And I had Kayla McAllister, one other guest, and to the side of... To the side of our studio, in the shadows, was Tyler Nathan Wan's sister, Shay, who works for us. And so they won the gold, and I thought, you know, let's let's have well, let's just get some reaction from someone who's got a sister, a family member involved. And Shay came along. We just stood her close to a microphone next to one of the girls. And Linda Atuni, excuse me, I should have forgot Linda Atuni, uh, multiple World Cup winner, medal winner for the Black Ferns, and. Shay broke down in tears and actually said the amount of sacrifice that these women go through to play a sport they love and to deliver a product that is appealing is immeasurable. 
the sacrifices that the family makes. Simple, like just simple things like mum and dad looking after the kids if they are they have children. Little things like that. She told a story about at uh, one stage about her dad having to actually. I think it was the story of no, that was Linda Attorney. Different story altogether. I've gone off the path. But what it and there was tears everywhere, and I got it. I understood it completely. And when you hear someone like Michaela Blyde talk about the love they have each for other and the culture that they make themselves accountable for every day, every single day to achieve to the highest level, then suddenly everything makes sense. And so uh, they deserve everything that comes to them. Yes, we could go about down the Halbergs. I wouldn't be surprised with such a successful year in sport with the Olympics and otherwise, but the Blackfern Sevens must be odds on for the team of the year. But you know, that's, look, that's, that's another conversation. We're going to talk to Gary Stead, the Black Caps coach, around 12.30. If you have a question for him, why don't you either text it to us on double three? Or call us and ask him the question yourself. The number is 0800 150811. That's 0800 150811. Have a think about it. Gary said not too far away. You know, Sam, when I'm talking about the Blackfern Sevens and, and you know, family members and being involved, does that does it resonate with you? Does it, you know, you've been in sport just many years, well, not as many years as me, but you've been in sport a long time. When you look at the Blackfern Sevens and their openness and and openness to say we hold each other accountable, there's nothing being held back. A lot of other sports can learn from that. Oh, totally. I think um, the Blackferns definitely set the example, but but women's athletes, female athletes in New Zealand in general, I find are trailblazers in, in the truest sense of the word but with media I think they very much um, they they are not afraid to say how they feel they're a lot more um, personable um, they've got character they've got energy I mean who was it Ruby Tui's interview that went viral oh the one where they said there's not enough hand sanitizer yeah. on that field to clean up yeah. the, the crap that we just delivered yeah you know and, and just things like that and, and I guess I just look at um, I look at the, our male equivalents the All Blacks and all the all the All Black Simmons and, and you know just very dry and mechanical and yeah, so I, I love um, I love the Black Ferns. Well, I've got a lot of time for them. Um, Silver Ferns are the same. Silver Ferns are the same. And, and, and they're just so open, you know, like we – I mean, I, there's there's normal sort of um, barriers, you know, you, you can't talk to players on game day, and that all makes sense. The protocols. You know, trying, the protocols, correct. But by and large, the, the, the women are way more accessible than the men. And that's coming from someone, you know, who has to obviously try and get them on shows and all that sort of stuff. I find them a lot more accessible um, than, our, than our male athletes in New Zealand. With some exceptions, and the, the funny, this is the ironic thing, Stephen, is that the exceptions are guys like uh, Scott McLaughlin. Uh, I know Scott Dixon does a lot of media. Um, I'm picking up motorsport here, but there are guys, and ironically, they are probably just as big globally in their sport as what our Kiwi athletes think they are. Yeah, they are a lot more accessible. Yeah, uh, that line someone told us yesterday: "World famous in New Zealand, so don't touch me." Uh, <laughs> the one the, I've, <laughs> I, I've got, I've got, a, I've got a, a philosophy on. on you, you mentioned motorsport, mm. and my philosophy is a very simple one: as, as to why they are so approachable. Why, for instance, in NASCAR, fans can go into the pits; they can they can walk along in supercars. You see them do the the uh, the grid walks. The whole night it happens now in F one to a, a lesser extent because they're that's the rarefied air. Yeah, the simple. 
thing is when young men and women are tr- starting out in carting and then moving up the ranks to whatever they do, they've actually got to find money. So they have to learn to go and talk to potential sponsors and say, hey, this is me. I think this is why you should give me some money so I can go carting for a season or, or I can do Formula Ford or I can do this, I can do that. And so instantly they are learning to communicate very quickly and realize that if they are not approachable or or good to deal with, no one's going to give them any money. No. So it's ingrained in their head very quickly that if you want sponsors, the media is there to help you, not to, to hinder you. Yes, and and we always say the media is the conduit to the fans. And and you know for and I pick on the rugby players. Here, I think the cricketers are great, by the way. I think the Black Caps are very, they will very much they put up a lot of players, they put up a lot of coaches all the time, and I find them very. I mean they're just not very exciting. Um, but like for rugby players, what I feel like rugby players don't understand in this country is that they are a brand in and of themselves, right? And they can sell themselves in their own way. And the best way to do that is by putting themselves out there all the time. And I always come back to this example. LeBron James is one of the biggest athletes in the world, arguably one of the greatest athletes in the world. He fronts the media every single day. Yet we've got rugby players here who have it written into their contracts that they only have to do two media opportunities a year. Yeah, I'm. That I, is you, you are not going to get an argument out of me. I, I, I find the found the same frustration when working the Warriors, and you, you should. I've always maintained the captain should speak every time. He is the leader of the club. But yes. again, same deal with you. No, he's a bit tired today. Well, I don't care. It's part of their job. It, it, media should be just as much a part of their job as showing up to training on a Tuesday at 10am. Yeah. It is part of. You don't want to do that. Go and play amateur club sport for your for your club now and don't get paid for it. Because it's part of the job. It's why you're getting the money you are. So, so the simple word we are looking at here is why we are we struggle with certain sports is they're being enabled by their sport to do that and put on a put on a pedestal. Which, let's be blunt, they're just footy people. They're just sports people. Yes, they provide us with entertainment, and they and they des- deserve to be paid what they could get. I have no issue with that. And, and for me, it's not a money issue because people say, oh, you know, yeah, no, no, no. But there, there are certain things you've got to do. It's like in the NFL, right? Here's, here's a really good example. You've, have you always wondered why the commentators on the NFL are so in tune and know what's going to happen? Because fact, every game that is broadcast on American television and football, the commentators go to a meeting with the coaching staff in the week before the game and sit down and talk about tactics and the otherwise. Yes. So when you hear an analyst in the NFL say, well, we think we're going to play this route or they're going to blitz them here or whatever, they know yes. that's what they do because, A, they are former players themselves but also turn into very good broadcasters. And suddenly you're given an insight going, okay, yep. because it makes the product look so much better and the clubs – have bought into that. You need that. You need the buy-in from from the clubs and the players, and you get those commentators saying, "You know, and I spoke with Coach Jones this week, and we talked about the defense." And, you know, that's. I mean, that's just that's the insight. And I've said this from the from the moment that I fell in love with sport. Fans crave what they can't see on the field. Like we all can see what's happening in front of us. Well, what we crave is what's going on behind the dressing room door, what's going on in the coaches' talks, and everything like that. We don't need a hundred percent access. But just give us a little bit more. We, you know? we we always say, tell us what they're not. Tell us what they're not seeing. 
Tell us what the fan is not seeing. Yes, we have television access now into dressing rooms and, and changing rooms, and, and that's huge. I mean, that, just getting that happen into an All Blacks camp was like, you know, trying to, you know, wedge some. invade the Kremlin, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. But if they need to, sport in this country, certain sports need to move forward. There are others, there are sports that get it straight away. Yeah, and that's, that's all cool. But, you know, it is a really, it's a really good discussion point, but it seems like, particularly with Rugger, uh, you just can't. You can't do that. It's like it's like they're protected species. They're footy players, short and simple. They're footy players. Job description: do media, don't argue. Simple as that. Hmm. Twelve twenty-three. You got your thoughts on that one? Would you like to see more access to footy players? Oh eight hundred one five oh eight eleven. That's oh eight hundred one five oh eight eleven. Already got a. Uh, we've we've already got a, a question in uh, for. Gary Stead. Ah, oh, here's one. We were talking about female athletes, right? Uh, female athletes don't take themselves as seriously as males. Interesting. It's a, yeah, well, maybe they're just better in tune with themselves. Maybe that's what it comes down to. Good text, though. Rather you call me, though. Please call. Come on. Let's have a wee chat. It's a Thursday. Uh, 12.24. Just a reminder, you can text or ask Gary Stead a question. 0800 150811. Good chat. Good chat, Sam. Let's go. This is a Thursday afternoon on Summer Days with SENZ. And don't forget, Burger King, you can nominate your local hero by texting LOCAL, followed by your hero's name. And what they do, the double eight double three. And each Friday, we'll announce the Burger King Local Hero of the Week. And remember, tomorrow is Friday, all right? Some local hero is going to win $40 Burger King Burger Bucks. So text your local hero, by texting local and the hero's name and what they do, that's the key to it all, to double eight double three. And tomorrow we'll announce the Burger King Local Hero of the Week for that $40 Burger King Burger Bucks. It's coming up to half past 12. I see some text questions for Gary Stead, the Black Caps coach, coming in, which is really, really cool. Thank you. Would rather you call me, but we will get to those questions as soon as we get Gary on. That's not too far away. So stay with it. Black Caps coach Gary Stead next on SENZ. Twelve thirty-three Thursday afternoon nationwide with Stephen McCabe. Also, good day to Darren in Melbourne, who's listening on the SEN app over there to us here in New Zealand. I hope your Christmas preparations in Melbourne, Darren, are going super well. Well, the story today, which seems to have created an enormous amount of clickbait, the Black Caps squad has been named for the Bangladesh series, right? And there's no Ajaz Patel, and everybody's going, "What is going on?" Well, Gary Stead is the Black Caps coach. He will answer the question. Gary, thanks for joining us here on SENZ. You have already said in print it's a horses-for-courses approach. Can you please lay to rest why Ajaz is not playing, regardless of his Herculean efforts? Yeah, well, hi, Stephen, for a start. Yeah, it's um, it's a tough decision when someone obviously does as, as well as they did in, in, in India as Ajaz did, but... I think when you look at the, the strength of our side here in New Zealand and, and the past four or five years, it's been the seam bowlers who have, have been the ones that we really rely on. And um, it's hard to argue with that when you look at the, the likes of Anil Wagner and, um, and Kyle Jamison and, and Trent Bolt, Tim, Tim Southey. They've been the guys that have done it for us consistently over a period of time. And we believe they're the, the ones that are the right ones to do it in this series versus Bangladesh. And, and quite simply, this comes down to the wickets you're playing on, right? It is a really simple exercise. 
Yeah, it is. And, and I think then you look at how you balance up your team. And, and if we decide that those four uh, seamers are highly likely to play, which I, which I think they are, um, then, you, then you have a, a situation where it's likely that you're going to have an all-rounder playing in the, in the other spot, which then brings in your Gerald Mitchells or your Rajan Ravindras as that, that type of person. Could I suggest, too, that because age is as a specialist and, and not an all-rounder, that works against him in this situation? Yeah, it probably does slightly. Although, I mean, look, AJ's no doubt is a fine bowler, and we know that the skills we had. So we're certainly not saying, oh, AJ's Patel isn't the cricketer that, that we're after or anything like that. We're just saying in these situations, we think that the what 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 others offer is, is probably more of what we need. As a coach, sitting down and and thinking about what he did in Mumbai. What was your initial reaction? And now that you've had time to think about it, what are you thinking about that? Uh, I mean, what he did was was truly amazing. Um, to take 10 wickets in innings, we know he's only the third person in, in history that's ever done that. And you need you need some fortune at times to go your way for that to happen. And, and I think Ajaz, though, did bowl beautifully. We certainly have and do recognise that. So it's a, it's it's a pretty amazing feat what he did do. Are you nervous about Kane Williamson's injury? Uh, well, we've known Kane's had this injury for a long time, and let's not forget that he's played um, at times really difficult situations of, of, I guess, putting the team first and playing at times when maybe he shouldn't have. So the World Test Championship Finals won and, and also the, the T20 World Cup. So... If, I think if we're really honest with it, ourselves, there's times that perhaps that, that Kane shouldn't have played. So he actually needs needs this for him to be right over a longer period of time. I was speaking to the likes of Jeff Lawson last week and asking them what they think of, of Kane Williamson. And I said, he's potentially a great. And he said, actually, no, he's a great already when it comes to the world of cricket. Are you of the same opinion? Oh, there's no doubt Kane Williamson uh, in your team looks a lot stronger than, than your team without Kane Williamson. And he... I mean, he, he's, what, 31 now. You, you could argue he could have four or five, six years left in the game. And, and if he does that, you, you think about the number of runs he does score, I think you would put him up in that category. There's a lot of conversation around Ross Taylor. You know, how long has he got left? And I, I've got a question from a listener that I'd just simply like to ask you, Gary. It says, uh, how much influence does Ross Taylor still have in helping Kane or now Tom with decisions on the field? And second part of the question, what's it like to coach someone who has fashioned a record so great with so much experience? I think it's a it's an honour and privilege to be able to work alongside people like that. Um, I mean, you're right. Ross has been a, a great in our game as well, and he he's seen some very very low times. And we've picked Ross for the series versus Bangladesh. We, he's a senior statesman in our side, and I think his his importance will show even more without Kane there. There's no doubt that Kane and Tom will lean on Ross um, for his experience and his thoughts at, at many many times throughout a game. So. Um, but that's, that's, that's great. That's the way we want our team to operate as well. Was it, is it a smile on your face when you know you can have Devin Conway back? Yeah, yeah. I mean, Dev's still got to get through the final fitness test there, but things are, are looking good so far that he, he's meeting the milestones that we want him to. And look, I mean, the way he's burst onto the scene has been pretty special. Um, we've always known he's, a, he's been a very, very fine player at first-class level, but the way he's made every place the winner at international level just shows his class as well. Where do you, where do you place the progress of Daryl Mitchell right now? 
Daryl's one of those guys, I think, that's, uh, again, made every, every single post a winner um, in all forms of the game as well. Uh, we, we, I guess, through something different at, at teams when Daryl opened at the T20 World Cup, and that was more through us feeling that we couldn't leave him out of our side. Um, he, he scored test and one-day hundreds in a very, very limited time that he's, he's played the game. So there's no doubt Daryl's putting a lot of pressure on, on a number of our incumbents there, and that's very, very healthy for our side. What do you put down to the success of fashioning a team like this, which very much, if you, and I'm not being disrespectful here, is very much a team that's not laden with what I would call rock stars. It's all about there's no one bigger than the team. Yeah, and I think that's really important for the way that we play our cricket as well and the way that we, I guess, set ourselves up as a, as a group, how we look at each other as well. And, and we, we're not heavily reliant on one person. It, it takes team efforts to win games, and I think that really helps our psyche when we go in and, and play in World Cups and things like that. There's a real uh, hunger and a desire to want to do well for each other. All right, I've just had another t- a text question come through, if you'd be kind enough to answer it. Simple one, really. Do you think we'll ever play a specialist spinner in New Zealand? I absolutely think there is that, that chance. I mean, pitches will change again over time, and at the moment they're hard and they're fast and bouncy, and, and they they suit uh, the pace bowlers. Let's not forget, though, the, the, the pace, I guess, the four that are playing right now. Um, you put Trent Bolt and Tim Southey up with both. One's over 300 wickets, one's very, very close. Neil Wagner has over 200 wickets, and Kyle Jamison has burst onto the scene, um, the fastest per, fastest uh, Kiwi to, to 50 wickets. So you're talking about four bowlers that are potentially, I think when their careers end, we will look back and say there's pretty something very, very special about these four. So they won't be there forever, though, either, and, and that might be an opportunity that a spin bowler does come back into the mix a little bit more. I can sense the pride just oozing out of your pores when you talk about your 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 attack. It it must be nice to have someone like Tim Sarthi who's just keeping on keeping on, but delivering at his age at such a high level. Yeah, absolutely. The the I guess strength of our group is they they look after themselves, they keep themselves fit, they know what it's required, and they're prepared to do the hard yards as well. So. Um, it's not easy being a, a test bowler. Um, it takes a lot of energy. It, it takes a lot of skill, and it, and it, yeah, it takes a lot of resilience as well. And I think the four that we've got, as I said there just a minute ago, I think they, when, when we look back in ten years' time, I think you'll say that the four bowlers we had there was a was a pretty special unit. Gary, how nice is it to be home? Very nice. Yeah, yeah. Been out of uh, I guess isolation now for about three days and. So catching up with family and, and, and watching the children play a bit of sport and that is nice, but it'll all be gone soon and we'll be back into it. But certainly looking forward to Christmas and spending some time with loved ones. Well, uh, thanks, thanks for the uh, a cheesy line, but thanks for the memories of 2021 and enjoy your so-called normality and, and the best of luck in the Bangladesh series. Yeah, thanks, Stephen. Thanks, everyone, for the support. Cheers. Yeah, you're more than welcome. Gary said the Black Caps coach. So there you go, Sam. He's quite, quite open about that. Uh, you know, we, we have our formula. This is how we play. And and you and I both know, I don't know why I didn't ask him, AJ's Patel would have known he wasn't going to be playing. Simple as that. So mm. you can forget all your clickbaits on Twitter and bitching and moaning about why he's not there. The coach has given it, it here, live here on SNZ. That's how we play. I do love his idea too. I know I had, because it was the man in the arena, Stephen talking about Tom Brady, blah, blah, blah. 
but no one's above this team. This, this is a true team ethos. Yeah. And I think, too, with uh, with ages, like, um, I'm happy to debate this with absolutely anyone. I know the Breakfast Boys were sort of pretty big on he should be in there for, you know, at least just for sort of ceremony. But, um, I mean, ages, you look at his record in New Zealand as well. I think he's played two or three tests in New Zealand. He hasn't taken a wicket in New Zealand and full-time spinners very rarely do take wickets in New Zealand and I found it interesting there where Gary Stead talked about how um, you know we we look at the bowlers and we and we have potentially the four best bowlers we've ever had and I do agree with that but Kyle James he mentioned Kyle Jamieson and he's sort of the next one coming through there'll be another next one coming through in a couple of years time because we make wickets that suit fast bowlers so we're going to produce fast bowlers we're never going to produce a world-class spinner until we make wickets that Produce world class moves. Well, so, so, so quickly the analogy to that one. Why do why do we have not have players that are good on clay and tennis? Because we don't have clay tennis courts. Yes. Why do we succeed better on hard? Because ninety nine point nine percent of courts are. Yes, hardcore. And I know, um, I know. Uh, I think it was Deepak Patel who was on with uh, with Smithy a, a couple of weeks ago, maybe a few months ago, who said that um, we, you know, it, it's very hard to create a spinner and cultivate a spinner on New Zealand wickets because they're not conducive to spin. So we that spinners just learn to bowl back very straight deliveries. They don't really learn how to th- mix it up and throw different, you know, doozers and all that sort of stuff. They, they bowl very sort of straight. And it's hard in cricket because you almost do have to pick a side. There are exceptions to the rule. You've got teams like Australia who can make fast bowlers and spin bowlers and compete around the world. But for most sides, they go one way or the other. They either have great spinners and they're great in sub the subcontinent, teams like Bangladesh, etc. Or you have teams like England and us who create good fast bowlers. You see, see, Chris, I, I, I don't know if you were listening because he's just kind of texted me and said, "Why was Ajaz? It's it's a Ajaz, by the way. Everybody keeps saying Ajax. A lot of people write Ajax. Ajax yeah, it's, yeah. it's Ajaz left out with a four prong quality post stack. Surely having Ajax with the squad only increased our selection options, especially with the call up seem only a phone call away. But they know Chris straight away what wickets they are playing on. That's what I garnered from that, and so." He's not dismissing the idea of ever playing a specialist seamer. They're saying the wickets, as, as Sam has just talked about, we have seam-friendly wickets. It's as simple as that. You know what's even better about this decision? The decision. Making the call. Not being afraid to. Not not falling for the... Yeah, because uh, Not people, falling for the, oh, maybe... Yes. maybe the, the, we, don't, we do not have the inside oil on this. They do. They've been together for month after month after month. They know what players can do. Yeah. We know nothing. Yeah, and I went pretty hard on Ages, but I actually love Ages. I think he's a great bowler. He loves the game, and he's very passionate about his craft as a spinner. He's, he works tirelessly. Um, you can read his backstory. You know, obviously comes from Mumbai. He is a great player, and you don't want to take anything away from him, but... We're not talking about like an under twenties team here where we want a ceremonial wheel them out and the crowd can this cheer is them the and clap. This national team for goodness sake. And there's World Test Championship points on the line. Like in, in a, a times gone by, where we weren't playing for points. Sure, maybe you could sort of use a test as a bit as something like that. But with those points on the line, why go away from a winning format? We're basically unbeatable at home. We're almost unbeatable at home. Ten years ago, would you have thought that the New Zealand men's cricket team? would be World Test Champions and one of the best teams going around. Nah. Nah, not at all. I wouldn't have believed you. There you go. I think that says a lot about where where they have come. And that's where we're going to leave it. So no more Ajaz Patel in the team talk because the coach has been here live on SCNZ Summer Days and said why he's not there. Simple as that. In many ways, it's a bit like a business. It's 12.46. This is Summer Days with Stephen McIver and for me, 
Ian Smith on SENZ. 12.51 on a Thursday. Just to put a cap on the whole Ajaz Patel thing, after we have spoken live with Gary Said, the Black Caps coach, let's just remember one thing. We should be celebrating Ajaz Patel's historical 10 wickets, one of only three players in the history of cricket to take all 10 wickets in an innings. But they know it's a business. It is a business. Tomorrow is another day. It's that simple. He knows how it works. He'll be disappointed, but he will not be upset because he knows it's all about team. Let's put a cap on that one, screw it down tightly, and leave it alone. Uh, Thoroughbred owners, loveracing.nz and New Zealand Bloodstock want you to grab your mates and enter a team to win. Oh, yeah, if your team's successful, guess what you can win? A 10% share in a racehorse purchased next year at Karaka, a training fees for two years, and travel to Auckland for a VIP experience at Vodafone Derby Day and Karaka 2022. You can enter now at loveracing.nz slash... Nothing like a good slash. Uh, share the thrill. Coming next, what happens next? Days with Stephen McIver and for me, Ian Smith on SENZ. What happens next? Wow, that is that is just so sort of scary in a funny old way. It is, yeah, it's, it's quite It's ominous. like, yes, the man with the knife in his hand and the machete in the other in the dark alley came up and, yes, move on. That sounded a little bit like Cluedo, the man in the, <laughs> in the dining room with what, the candlestick. What, what, was it the butler or Mrs. Forsyth in the kitchen? Who knows? With the candlestick. Um, <laughs> ah, the candlestick, of course. Yeah, I've got, uh, I've got three seconds today. Oh, gee whiz, you're really pushing the boat out, right? I am. And uh, well, I don't know if you're going to get this, Stephen, but um, I, I guarantee you there'll be someone out there who gets this straight away. TRB $50 bonus bet on the line, if you can tell us what happens after this. Smith was supporting him. There's Marshall providing the kick. I'll play what? that. I'll play that again. What? Smith was supporting him. There's Marshall providing the kick. Oh, it's Costo. Yes. That's Costo. Yes, it is. I'll play, I'm going to play one more time, actually. Three seconds. You need to hear it again. Smith was supporting him. There's Marshall providing the kick. Okay, it's test rugby league. That's, mm. that's the best I can do right now. Okay. Three seconds. Yes. That's how generous you feel today. What can you think about test okay. rugby? Smith supporting test him. Marshall with the outside kiss. So that's Brandon Smith, Benji Marshall. Now, the last time they played was, well, two years ago. Why are you shaking your head at me? He's shaking your head. He doesn't think it's Brandon Smith. Oh, it could be Craig. Could be uh, Craig Smith, the former front rower. Uh, no, I think. It, it's, how, how bad am I? No, nah, I think it's. A, I think it's a bit of a. Um, it's a bit of trickery because you think, it's, you think it's Cameron Smith. Well, he's saying Smith as if the ball's gone from Smith to Marshall, but maybe uh, Smith was the tackler of. So we'll just if I can play. Smith was supporting him. There's Marshall providing the kick. So Smith might have, who's supporting him. There's Marshall with the kick. So it might have been like Stephen McIver with the tackle. Smith supporting him. Now it's Marshall with. The kick. Oh man! I, okay, so, so that's as much I'm going to give you, though. So it's it's, it's yeah. Aussie Kiwis <laughs> and it's Marshall <laughs> with the you, kick. You are so you are so tough. Hey, look, coming your way after one o'clock because Johnny Max just wandered in, getting ready to fire up with the news and sport. We're going to talk to Mike Sando from the Athletic. He's going to tell us his give us his thoughts on the NFL season as it rolls into Week 16. I've been I've been falling over myself watching NFL this year, and I'm really I'm deep into it, and I'm really enjoying it. So you'll you'll be interested to know who he picks as the Super Bowl champion. That will be that might surprise you.
It's coming your way after one. 0800 150 is the number to call. This is Summer Days on SENZ. Days with Stephen McIver and for me, Ian Smith on SENZ. 104 This is Summer Days on SCNZ with Stephen and the best DJs in the business <laughs> Mr B and Mr S they are just throwing out bangers all week long we've still got another another day to go oh you just you boys know I love my, my disco that whole disco feel can you just hear a little bit more of that Sam just pump it up a bit Yeah, I love you. And I hope you love us, SENZ, the new team in town, 0800 150 Okay, time to talk the NFL. And here we go. It's getting into week 16 of the NFL. I was trying to think of a really cheesy way to get into that with the, here we are live from uh, Patriot Stadium. Yeah, it's week all... 16. Yeah. And it's the Patriots up against the Buffalo Bills. This is one of the big ones to look forward to, folks. Oh, Stephen, that's amazing. <laughs> hey, that is. You, you could be on ESPN. Yeah. You could be on Aspen. Uh, well, I actually turned down two jobs at ESPN many, many years ago. And we won't talk about that. That's just another part of the old story. 105, heading into week 16. Time to go stateside and talk to Mike Sando. He's from The Athletic. And when you look at this season, Mike, it's a little bit longer. They're calling it the super season. But for me, it looks like it's one of the tightest in years. No question about it. There's only a handful of teams that have even been eliminated from playoffs. And I think it's a function of a few things. I mean, they, they changed the schedule, so there's extra time. There's longer time, I guess, to be in it. And then we've just seen not... You know, the, the things you could count on the most, the great quarterbacks, only a couple of them have played great all year. Defenses have caught up, and I think it's leveled the playing field. Yeah, you talk about quarterbacks. I've been running through the quarterbacks, and, you know, it seems age is no barrier. I mean, Aaron Rodgers has had his moments of controversy this year, but suddenly uh, the pack 11-3 and three going to Week 16, and they own the division and look so strong. Yeah, they do. I think they're in great shape. Uh, they're also going to be getting players back. You know, they've got their number one corner, their best left tackle, their top pass rusher, all could rejoin them, although we've been waiting a while. We've been saying that for a while. We still haven't seen David Bakhtiari in particular to help the offensive line. I just think Rodgers makes everything good. And if they can you know, iron out some of the inconsistencies they've had on defense and special teams, because remember, that's always what kind of doomed them in the playoffs. Some crazy game against Seattle or another team where you feel like the Packers have the best team, and something just sort of sabotages them. So there's still the possibility of that, but I like where they're at. I think they'll get the number one seed and be in great shape as other teams in the NFC maybe eliminate each other on their way to playing Green Bay. 
Well, I, you know, I've got to be honest with you. I'm a big Cowboys fan, and I'm just not... As much as I love Dak Prescott, I'm not sure uh, the team itself is ready to go to Super Bowl. Yeah, well, their defense was way better than I thought. Um, they have legitimate playmakers. Now, Randy Gregory, sometimes you can't count on them to go for extended periods. But uh, I, I like their team. I trust Dak Prescott. I feel like he's going through what a lot of these quarterbacks are going through, which is defenses are taken away the big deep ball and so will that iron out for him i don't know but it isn't really ironing out for the other quarterbacks consistently either and so uh, maybe they're in the same boat as a lot of these teams the difference being they have a really good defense Um, they have good talent on offense so i'm waiting for them kind of hopeful for them well, I like it when you when you talk about defense because many people say it's you know defense wins championships. So we'll wait and see on that one. But we we can't not have this conversation about the experienced QBs without talking about the Bucks and Brady. Yeah, he gets shut out for the first time in what two hundred and fifty five games. But where do you see the Bucks at? And again, can he lead them to the promised land? Well, we practically brought him up on the stage and gave him the MVP trophy two weeks ago and now he can't score a point. So that's, that's the NFL, isn't it? The minute you think something is a sure thing, the opposite of that happens and you have to reassess. So I'm a little worried about the injury situation there. I think that's the one thing that um, has been tough. They're going to lose their top linebacker, Levante David, for four weeks, obviously. Summer days with Stephen McIver and for me, Ian Smith on SENZ. It's heading towards 1.14. Our apologies for the what they call, that's a slight technical difficulty, but we are working on it and to, to remedy it as soon as possible. Well, the soon as possible has come around. And we were talking to Mike Sander, who I spoke to early on today, uh, about the NFL in Week 16. And I asked him about, the, 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 I'm blown away by these young running quarterbacks. Yeah, he's been really good, but he hasn't been good the last few weeks as consistently as they've miss DeAndre Hopkins. I think that's a big injury for them. And now he's been banged up a little bit. You lose to Detroit. People are questioning whether you can finish. Cliff Kingsbury, their coach, hasn't finished well wherever he's been. Texas A&M, they never finished well. Arizona now, the last couple of years, looks like they're struggling a little bit. So uh, I think as he goes, they go. He's been a little inconsistent lately and makes them an interesting team to watch in a tough division, by the way, where um, you know, the Rams look pretty good. Ford Niners look pretty good. Um, so we'll see. Okay. Did, did you see the Pats doing what they're doing under Mac Jones? Uh, no, I, I didn't think they would be this good. Uh, I think that they've done a great job of not asking him to do too much. And I think when they get into the playoffs, it's likely that some team will score enough points to put the pressure on Mac Jones and make it be a much tougher game for him. But they've done a great job. They have a good defense. They know how to run the ball. They know how to scheme things. And he's a good, accurate passer who makes good decisions, especially when uh, you know they're in the favorable down distances and that type of stuff. So I love where they're at. I think it's funny that we were asking. And we assumed Buffalo had taken the mantle there in that division. Maybe it's closer than we think. Well, how big is that Week 16 game? Pat's Bills. Yeah, it's huge, you know, and I I am not sure who I think is going to win the game. I, I picked New England to win the game uh, at home, but it really could go either way. I think when the first game went to Buffalo, that was a huge blow to them, and 
I'm sure they've been gunning for this and they need it more. Um, so we'll see how that all comes into play, but you got to like where New England is at at home uh, for that one. I, I talk about run, running quarterbacks, and it's hard not to go past Lamar Jackson with the eight and six Ravens. But they've got young Joe Burrow, the Bengals up, you know, in that same division. Who do you like there? And can 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 we still see? Can running quarterbacks survive in this game? Um, I think running quarterbacks will wear down and have a shorter shelf life. I think they could be successful. You'll you'll probably have injuries like Cam Newton did, where he just suddenly couldn't throw the ball you know the shoulder just took too much so um the injury that that Lamar Jackson took I mean I think a lot of quarterbacks could have suffered that injury he was just scrambling doing nothing too spectacular and he got his ankle hurt so I mean last year Dak Prescott had his leg broken but does that mean his style of play is unsustainable I don't think so so uh in that game I think with Lamar Jackson being diminished I probably lean towards uh, Cincinnati which had a really good plan defensively for Baltimore last time, very disciplined rush lane, uh, and so if Lamar is, it plays and is a little bit diminished, um, I may lean towards Cincy. I don't fully trust Cincy, but I may lean towards them as sort of a team that knows how to play Lamar Jackson, especially if he's not 100. percent When you look at the Chiefs, it, it was a slow start to the season, but suddenly they've just exploded. They're at ten and four. They got the Steelers, the Bengals, and the the Broncos, and Mahomes is back in his groove. Yeah, he is, but I mean, I think almost all of his production uh, in the last four, five, six weeks have been against the Raiders. Uh, they, if they could play the Raiders every week, <laughs> I'd say it's the party's back on. Um, I still think that teams in general in the NFL have done a good job of taking away the deep stuff. And now we throw in the, you know, really the monkey wrench in this thing is, is COVID. Now Kelsey's on the list. I mean, if they don't have him, uh, you know, it's almost like roulette every week. So I think they're in good shape. The defense is good. And maybe the lesson there with them is the things we thought going into the season, some of those wind up being true in the end, Kansas City being good for, for one, even though in between, there's all kinds of things that happen that make you question it. Just before we, I, I get you to give me a call on who goes all the way, how, di- how disappointing is the Jacksonville situation when they've got a, a young QB who, you know, it was very talented at college, but almost seems to have been ground down by a coach who's now gone? Yeah, um, hopefully Trevor Lawrence hasn't been too long of that, you know. Uh, I, don't, I don't think this many games should ruin him, but I do have big concerns about the future because of the organization. If you look at all the teams in the league since 2012 when Shad Khan purchased the Jaguars, Jacksonville has by far the worst record. They're like 10 wins behind the next terrible team. That is not by accident. That has to do with ownership, and that ownership's not changing. So, you know, maybe they won't get it figured out there. Who's your inside tip to replace Meyer? Oh, that's a great question. Uh, Funny, you might have stumped me on that. I don't have a list in front of me. (laughs) That's okay. Um, You know, I I wonder if they're going to do – so think of it this way. Will they do the GM there, too? I mean, I think that's interesting, too. If Trent Baalke stays, I would probably start to look for people that that he may know, not not Jim Harbaugh, by the way. He didn't get along too well with Jim Harbaugh, but maybe that would influence it one way. If they start fresh with a new GM, you probably look at who that GM is. All right, Mike, time for you to give us your, your Christmas call. Who goes all the way this year? Which is the one team you think they got it all together? I'm going to lean with Green Bay. And 
I just think Rogers is playing great. They have a chance to get better for the reasons we discussed earlier with people rejoining the team. I think it would just be fitting after all they went through. Uh, if suddenly he got the ultimate trophy and maybe it caps it off. Maybe it finishes his career in green Bay and, or maybe they decide we got to keep this thing going. <laughs> Mike Sando, thank you so much for your insight into the NFL. Uh, happy Christmas, stay safe and we'll talk again. Thank you. Mike Sando from The Athletic, who I spoke to earlier on today. And if you think you were having trouble with Christmas, uh, Mike Sando said quietly, I said, you okay to talk? He goes, yeah, 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 I've just, but my debit card just got refused. He said, I don't know why. He said, I, I said it, got, it, got, it got refused on 80 bucks. So he was having a moment and standing, oh. in the, standing in the corner of the shop having to figure out which other card he was going to use. So I, I felt for him, you know? So, that reminds me of a little bit of a story, if I may, you regale may, you, you. You've got stories coming out the wazoo. I do, I do love a good story. Um, I, when I was in America, my my, what they call my host family. So, Mate, the, you, you've been everywhere. I, feel, <laughs> I, I just keep saying America. It's, it's like my go-to, really. No, but you had Lester earlier on. And, you yeah, know. Lester as a kid. Oh, well-traveled. Well-traveled. Um, so my host family, you know, they take you in when you first arrive. They look after you, make sure you've got everything, etc. And um, they, they were great. They're massive, massive sports fans. They got me into the Pets and the Bruins and all those Boston teams. And the dad, Andrew, um, he used to work for the Bank of America. Um, and he worked for them during a time. It was I can't remember when it was, um, but there was a, a really famous case where people rocked up on I want to say Christmas Eve um, to do their morning shopping, and they got to the front of the counter. They gave across their debit card, and it declined. And um, she was like, well, that, "I don't understand. I've I've got money in my bank account. I you know I know it's in there." And, and they said, "I'm sorry, your card's declined." And the next person walks up and puts their card on, and their card declines. And then all of a sudden, other shops start having all the same thing. And all of a sudden, all across New York, they start realizing that the Bank of America, um, all the cards are declining and they're wondering what's going on. And what had happened was the night before, someone, criminals, had gone to all these ATMs around the city and put card skimmers on the ATMs. Actually, it might have been the night before, the night before. Card skimmers on the ATMs. So you, it, and it doesn't look any different because it goes over the top of the where you put your card in. And what happens is you put your card in, it reads the magnetic thing and stores it into like a data thing and then they just come along the next night pull it out take it home take all the data off it and suck, suck, suck all the money out yeah. and that's what they had done so everyone woke up the next morning went to go do their Christmas shopping no one had any money oh and it was something gosh. crazy like it was you know like three million four million dollars that they had skimmed in one night across like 150 ATMs <laughs> around New York City and he had to, I think he was part of their PR teams he had to deal with all of the interviews and sorting it all out but um, did they give the money back the Bank of America did work to they have, they have insurance. insurance. They did work to get it back. But imagine that on Christmas Eve. Like, <laughs> there's not a worse time to have your car, to have money disappear from your car. But in terms of the criminals, and I'm not endorsing this at all, but that's probably the time of the year you do it, right? It's when everyone puts the money across and Mate, you gets just, ready to spend. You basically did just, just endorse them. Just <laughs> yeah, that's there. If, if you want to do something illegal, now is the time to Card's do it. Coming. According to Sam, producer at SCNZ, uh, 0800 150811, if you want more ideas on how to skim. Uh, no, well, let's, let's not go there. Uh, let's figure out what happened next. Right, I'm going to play the first three seconds again uh, for those people that are just joining us. Lots of texts coming through here. Uh, what happens after this? Smith was supporting him. There's Marshall providing the kick. Now, I did say that the, the sort of first part of the audio was cast, so it would have been something along the lines of Cooper Cronk tackling, S- Smith supporting him, Marshall now with the kick. So Kiwis Kangaroos, Marshall with the kick. Can you remember anything famous about yeah. a Marshall kick? Yeah, I can actually. And, you know, what are you thinking? Uh, World Cup final. Okay, give me a year. I think I was there. Uh, 20, oh gosh, Stephen, come on. 
2008 World Cup final Brisbane. I was there, mm. uh, and there was a kick, a Benji kick, and it went. It, it bounced. It bounced poorly for the. It bounced poorly for the Kangaroos, and Benji, Benji jumped on it. I think. We're getting I, warm. You're getting very warm. Oh man. There's there may be um, an explosion of the brain variety. Oh. From a certain legendary number one. Uh, was it Lockyer? No, no, no. Oh, Billy. Billy stuffed up. It went past Billy. We dropped the ball. He, he mishandled it, and Benji scooped up the ball Look and, at you. and scored the try. You're on fire. Well, let's find out if you're right. Smith was supporting him. There's Marshall providing the kick. And Slater, his confidence is sky high. Oh! And a firecracker has gone off between his ears. <laughs> <laughs> and a great Co- bit of, Costa at his best. Oh, a great so, bit of coaching. 2008 World Cup final, Brisbane, Kiwis win out of seemingly, I don't know, I, I can remember standing on the sideline and, okay, name drop, huge name drop coming uh, with the great one. And his name's just gone. Uh, Wally Lewis. Yes. Sitting king. with Wally Lewis, the king. And I remember the final whistle happening. And he looked across me and go and went, you know what? You guys deserve that one. I'm going, oh, thanks very much, King. Oh, thanks. thanks and he, and Better you, luck next time. And but and you just knew because if you'd said that to Phil Gould, he would have gone, oh yeah, whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah okay, whatever. <laughs> and uh, and as Brian pointed out too, uh, ten minutes later, Darren Lockyer gets awarded Man of the Match. <laughs> you know, that's just a classic. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, and and did you, I think you said Billy Slater get got Man of the or pl- Player of the Tournament? You know, Look, it doesn't. You know what? That's that's one of those moments you go, who cares who got Man of the Match? Who cares got Player of the Tournament? The only thing that matters is who lifted the trophy at the end of it. And that was a really good time. Oh, gosh, that brings back so many good memories. Bluey McClendon, eh? was the, was Bluey the coach? Uh, no, no, no. It was and, uh, oh, that's right, Kearney. Kearney. No, remember no, Kearney, uh, Bluey was Wayne the, was the Wayne um, Bennett, three nations. Wayne Bennett and Steve Kearney, because the 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 classic, you know, scurrilous chat around it was that Kearney wasn't really coaching; it was Wayne Bennett who was coaching, right? Uh, and yeah, oh, you could. Think. Was it? Um, is it the, the, the four nations? Wasn't it all the tri nations that Bluey? Two thousand five, two thousand five, three nations. Three nations. Yeah. When we went to Leeds and pumped the Aussies and kept them scoreless, and the story on that one was that Stacey Jones flew home for the birth of his yeah. child, yes. and then flew back, turned up, and yeah. I remember talking to Blue about this, and I said, "What did you think?" He says he turned up. He looked like he'd been. He just looked. Stacey looked ragged, and Bluey said, "Mate." Oh, that's a bad butcher. Sorry, <laughs> Blue, Blue, Blue. Me old mate, Stacey Jones. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's not Bluey though. <laughs> no, Bluey just said he looked at Stacey. Said you're good to go, and he says I can't wait. He said Stacey. Oh, he, says, he, he said it was one of those superhuman efforts where you go. That was someone who we allowed to roll the dice. And it was a huge roll of the dice and made it happen. And I think to this day, when you talk about, mate, me old mate, the mad butcher, I think he was the manager on that tour. If, if yes, I'm, you are right. Yeah. I think with Peter, that was probably one of his finest moments because I remember him there getting amongst it and he would do anything, anything 
to promote the Kiwis. Uh, I, sp- <laughs> I spoke to the Mad Butcher the other day, right? Yeah. And he is in such good nick. And uh, But the fact that he's no longer so entrenched in rugby league now, he's pulled away from the, you know, the Mad Butcher lounge and all that, I find really yeah. sad. Yeah. But he, but he then again posted about, I think it was 24 hours after I was talking to him on the phone, and he, there he is in the in the Warriors uh, store buying a brand new, you know, the new Puma jersey yeah. and a cap just to support him. I mean, he is, you know, he is one of a kind. And when you think about the explosion of rugby league, you know, the clubs don't always get it right. But I think when it comes to Sir Peter Leach, he can take credit for doing many, many things for the game uh, who others would like to take credit for, mm. but it was off the back of himself and purely his time and his own generosity. He is one of the most generous individuals you'll ever meet. We might do what makes you think afterwards because I've, I've got to tell you this story. It's a little story too, if that's okay with you, boss. By um, all means. Uh, is that It wasn't in America. It wasn't in America. Okay. It was, it was uh, at Carlaw Park. Meters away. No, it was Carlaw Park, and he, and he said to me, "I said, how do you do this?" I said, "You you seem to be everywhere all the time." And he goes, "Stephen, it's quite bloody simple." He says, "You turn up for five minutes, shake a few hands, wave, say hi, and bugger off." <laughs> he says, "They think you've been there all day. I don't bloody care." <laughs> That's great. And when you think about the simplicity of that philosophy, oh. it says everything. All he did was to make sure that he kept rugby league and at that stage when he owned the Mad Butchers in the frame was to turn up, shake a few hands hands and talk about the game he loved, which was the great game of rugby league. I tell you what, when um, and I'm not going to try and get too morbid here, but when when he departs us, I hope there is a massive uh, sort of outpouring. And and I hope that the club, is there a stand named after him? No, there isn't. That's going to happen. That's that's a given. Yeah, uh, but I think he always loves that there is no number 19 jersey. There is no number 19 jersey in the Warriors. That's his number. Oh, great. I love that. So I think that's the And correct. I love his interviews that he does on his Facebook page sometimes. He, he sort of catches guys down at the local cafe. and Just, just to think of someone that grew up dyslexic, he does all right. Yeah, he does great. He, he is a good man. That's the mad butcher. He's a, he's a good friend too. And he, I'll tell you what, if, if, if he's your mate, he's your mate for life, and he will look after you and always have your back. It's 1.30 on Summer Days on SENZ. Two, this is Summer Days with Stephen McIver on SENZ. 0800 0811. It's 0800 150811. If you got to, you've got some thoughts that are just in your head, and you want to get them out because you're in a world of pain. Uh, the TAB, uh, bet you you can bet live on your favourite sport. Download the TAB app today. Uh, it's good afternoon to Paul Mawata, whose head is always full of things. It's not Paul. He's not Paul. Well, uh, it's uh, it, what's going on. He's going to be called out on this one, isn't he? We are certainly going to call Paul Mawata out this one. I can see Ricky with her headphones on. Yeah, I know you're not. I know you're not Ricky, Paul. Paul, you're not Ricky. Ricky, you're not Paul. We're going to talk to Ricky. I'm going to. I'm going to talk to Ricky soon. Um, she's shaking and saying, "No, you're not. Well, you are." Don't. Yeah, I'm going to talk. To, uh, okay. She's got this. She's wrinkling her nose up, saying, "I don't want to talk to you, Stephen. I don't. But I'm inside, so my fair skin's not being burnt. It's okay. Yeah. Slip, slop, slap, Ricky. Hey, Paul. How are you? I'm good, Stephen. How are you? Is your head full of numbers? Is it? Do they want to get out? I've got a few numbers in my head. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, I've just, I've just maybe had too many too many coffees. Um, now, what's what's the go, Paul? Well, oh, excuse me, crikey. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. 
Yeah, we've <laughs> we've got a uh, a meeting at Matter Matter today, and we've got a bonus back promotion on races one and two at Matter Matter. Uh, race one starts at two fifty three this afternoon, so you've just got oh, a wee bit over an hour uh, to get on there if you want to take part in that bonus back promotion on the first two races at Matter Matter. Of course, it's now fifty dollars. Uh, not $30, so you'll get your money back up to $50 as a bonus bet if your runner finishes second, third or fourth. Don't forget to head to the TAB website to check out all the T's and C's around that promotion and all our others. And of course, Boxing Day, a big, big day for racing in New Zealand. We've got a bonus back promotion on every single race at Ellerslie on Boxing Day. That's all 10 races at Ellerslie. We've got a a bonus back promotion. Mm -hmm. We've also got a meeting at Awapuni and wing a Dewey on Boxing Day, and we're going to have a hot jock promotion at both of those meetings. Lisa Allpress will be the hot jock at Awapuni, and <laughs> Tina Komanyagi will be the hot jock at wing a Dewey on Boxing Day. So plenty of chances for you to get in, if not win, get a bonus bet. I, I, I keep thinking you're saying hot chock like hot chocolate, but it's hot jock. Hot, hot jock. <laughs> hey, I'm just... Yeah, well, if it was hot chocolate, it would be everyone's a winner, baby. Oh, boom. Comes in from the left field and nails it. Nice work, Paul. Hey, just quickly, what's happening yep. with, with Boxing Day under current situations? Uh, uh, no crowd? What's the story? Uh, I, I'm fairly sure up at Ellerslie there are a limited number of people who can go along, uh, but everyone has to register with the club. Oh, so she's um, so, so she's a so she's a vaccination meeting. Yeah, and I, I think that you have to be vaccinated. I think um, they've got to keep it to a certain uh, a maximum amount of people yeah. in one area, sort of thing. Oh, that's so a, they need to know. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. But lay, it's boxing. It's still exciting. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate it. Cheers, Stephen. <laughs> You're welcome, Paul. Here's Paul Muata from the TAB. Crikey dicks, people are firing stuff at me. It's like I've, I've upset them. Promotions in plan, hundreds of sports markets to choose from. Uh, visit tab.co.nz. Please gamble responsibly. Uh, R18. Ooh, R18. 136. Jack Links makes you think. Irresistible flavour to satisfy your hunger. Jack Links makes you think. Thanks to the all new Maple and Brown Sugar Ham Jerky. What's been making me think? Well, I'm a little shallow today, but i got to say this one. The whole Ajaz Patel thing has been getting up my nose, slightly. There is no real story here, and why are we trying to make a story out of it? Yes, he has been dropped, but as you heard Coach Gary Stead say to us, there is a rhyme and a reason for everything, and they play the team approach. So, as I said earlier on, Ajaz Patel is not playing because it's a horses for courses to quote the coach but they don't really need a specialist spinner in their team because the wickets don't do that he says when you've potentially got the four best pacemen running around uh, in your team you've got to use them because that's what the wickets suit ask the question whether or not you would ever use a specialist spinner he said yes but maybe but not right now so I, I struggle with people that jump on their social media pages and say The coach doesn't know what he's doing. Why wouldn't you do this? Well, actually, the coach knows more than you and I know. All coaches, most coaches know more than you and I know. And potentially, I mean, you can always argue that it is a story, but it's a clickbait story. It's a nothing story. It's meaningless. 
For being people just to sort of be a little narcissistic and say we know more, I'm really not interested. What interests me is that the Black Caps are now one of the, and you, and as I said to Sam before, would you have ever thought that many, many years ago that you'd be talking about the New Zealand cricket team as being one of the premier long-form teams in the world? And he said, no, well, and that's what you've got. And we should be celebrating it. We should be celebrating the fact that AJS Patel has done something that only two other cricketers have ever done in the world, take 10 wickets in one innings. That should be celebrated. And as I said before, yeah, great job. Celebrate it. Everybody celebrate it. Now move on. Because that's what you do. You have to to move on and keep thinking like that. So there you go. That's what's been making me think. Nothing flash, but something a little relevant right now. And that's was Jack Link's Makes you think. Thanks to the all-new ham jerky with hickory smoke and a dash of maple and brown sugar. They've gone the whole hog. Are you the guy who voices those Jack Link ads? That sounded very similar. Can you just give me a feed your wild side and like a real slow American? Okay, okay. Jack Link's Feed your wild side. That's, I mean, that's scarily close. I'm convinced it's you. I wish it was because I'd charge them plenty for that one. <laughs> we are, we are going to talk to to Ricky though, right? She's 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 given us permission to talk to her. We can move into her circle. That's great. I'm oh, very happy about that. It is one thirty nine. McIver, and for me, Ian Smith on SENZ. Get Nasser on the phone. He is in another orbit. Lazarus does it again. SNZ is pacing for purpose. Thanks to Harness Racing New Zealand. I love that. That's such a that's such an excitable start to something, right? And the passion in that call. Pacing for purpose. Harness racing. Yes, live the dream. Get involved in harness racing today. NZ Harness Racing. Visit hrnzz.co.nz. Just one Z hrnz.co.nz and this is I like this because charities are, are the ones that are the recipients of funds made by all of the shows uh, for the morning show with Smithy it's Women's Refuge for the team because we're a split show right through in the summer and for afternoons and staff it's Butterbean Motivation one of my good friends and a man who does as I, I think I said to you yesterday does just goes above and beyond to those who are in need so we're at Ashburton today December the 31st and mornings so the mornings tips are this race seven at 343 quite appropriate really suntan uh, which is a recent addition to the delgetti stable and looking ready at trials talented type is the quote very good i will take it as read afternoons it's race 11 at uh, 554 i think it's number one chevron's bypass uh here's the interesting thing uh the stats don't make great reading with one win from 11 starts, but drawn Barry won, or is that what you say, and had a recent trial win. Could be ready. Wow, that re- that really excites me. One win from 11 for the afternoon team. Uh, Bricky, by the way, picked uh, race 6, 308. Highgrove, good trotter, fresh up, five wins from eight starts, looks ready to go after a recent trial. Uh, and Drive, have, why are you looking at me like that? You're frowning. Sam's got this no, frown on his no, face. No, 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 I've got two things I want to talk to you about, okay. but you keep going. <laughs> Drive, race 12, 63, number seven, uh, Republican Party, another Dalgetty runner, very class, classy, a very classy animal. 
Looks like a winner despite the whinish draw. Okay, so what are the what are the tally numbers as far as the shows go? Yeah, so the values that I've got, and this was a couple of weeks ago, but I don't think anyone's picked up a win since then, so I think these are up to date. So uh, Drivers out in front on 980. Um, then we've got uh, Breakfast on 459. Smithy not far behind on 435. And Staff on 325. And um, I don't think anyone's won since then. But, you know, the, the, the disclosure here, Stephen, is that... Um, the reason why Steph and Drive aren't do- uh, Steph and Bre- uh, Brecky aren't doing as well is because they pick all their own tips, and so they're trying to. And we get told about this earlier in the week. We've got mm-hmm. to try and find tips. We don't even have the odds, so we just sort of go on what the research says. But then is, the odds will come out. Is this being manipulated? The odds will come out. We'll have like a twenty-four dollar shot, and we'll be like, oh, we, you know. Whereas uh, the other ones are getting these given to them by the experts. So it's being manipulated, as Lewis Hamilton would charity. say. It's all for charity. The okay. other thing I wanted to talk to you about as well um, is, and the reason why serious was, face on. You're yeah, well, I was had serious. a frown behind you. Yeah. Turn around. I've just been watching that. And it's like, That's I don't really, know. So on, on the monitor behind me at the moment is Rosberg Racing RXR. This is the stuff that Emma oh, uh, Gilmore Emma Gilmore is going to race for McLaren Racing next year. It's 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 climate change, sustainable. They race in different parts of the areas. They would draw uh, attention to climate changes. Nico Rosberg, this is his big are baby. They e, are they e-cars? Yeah, they're, they're e-races. They're, yeah. they're, they're weird things. They're, they're, they're off-roaders, crazy things. They're all identical, but you've got to have a female and a male driver next year. Uh, Emma Gilmore will have Tanner Faust, the stunt driver, the rally driver. That's her. And yeah. she'll be the first ever female to drive for McLaren Racing. Wow. Ever. And it looks it looks so much like, well, look at them. They're going through like dirt and like little buggies. And they're going well, through well, they're dirt. Actually, they're actually quite big, believe it or not. And, but it's... it's there you go. It's, it's, it, honestly, it's a bit of a hard watch, but the you way reckon? I think the television production of it won an award for the the how they are creating because mm. uh, they, they have like uh, topographical maps and show what they oh, do. It's cool. all it's all high tech, yeah. Uh, but it's all about it's Nico Rosberg and his push for sustainability, which which I think is really cool. And the fact we've got a Kiwi involved is even better. Knock knock, knock knock. Oh, who's there? Tit tit who? Oh, so you say tit tit who? Tit tit who? Steve McIver. Ha! That's Paul. That's his dad joke for the day. <laughs> I, don't, I, I, I just, I don't. Anyway, uh, but someone like someone agrees with me. This was nice. One person. Uh, this is Ken from Papamoa. Uh, it says I totally agree with what you said about Patel. He was never going to be picked for the test because of our wickets. That's Ken from Papamoa. We should say, be- have you ever walked on Papamoa Beach? It is one of the nicest beaches I've ever walked along. I actually caught one of the most brilliant red sunsets there earlier in the year when we weren't in lockdown. It was in the middle of the year when we weren't in lockdown. Anywho, have we got another break and then it's Ricky, right? Yay! Get to talk to Ricky! Yay! That's coming next.